are on air for Fan for Racing Radio. This is Monday night, March the 13th, and tonight we are doing our Phoenix NASCAR Race Review with our Hot Topic Sound Off at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, uh, joining me shortly is going to be our co-host, Sal Segala. We're really happy to have him back uh, tonight. He's had a rough week, but uh, we're looking forward to talking to him. In our first half hour, we're going to start with the latest short track news, and then we're going to review the Arkham Art Series and the West Series race that took place at Phoenix Raceway. It was one race, two series, and uh, one winner. So uh, we'll talk about that. At the top of the hour, we originally were going to have Tanner Reif on the show from Loudon Jackson Motorsports, uh, but unfortunately something came up and he's had to reschedule. Uh, we're hoping he'll be back on next week, but we will keep you updated. So at the top of the hour, we will give some NASCAR Truck Series updates. <clears throat> and so uh, even though they did not race this past weekend, we'll make sure you know when their next race is and what the point standings are there in the Truck Series. Now then, after that, we will do our Xfinity Series NASCAR Race Review from Phoenix. And uh, then at 9.30, or at the bottom of that hour, we'll talk with uh, the Legend Car Series driver, Nathan Quela. He was here last week. We did part one of his interview with Sal Segala. And uh, we're going to do part two of that interview here tonight. So uh, you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. After that, we will review the Cup Series race at Phoenix and uh, make sure everybody's up to date. Ten o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic sound off with the Bamper Racing crew. And so uh, definitely looking forward. There's a few things to talk about tonight during our Hot Topic segment. So uh, hopefully Sal will be joining me here shortly. I'm going to send him a little note just to remind him that we are on air. And uh, hopefully he'll get that and show up for the show. Um, So give me just a minute here. Okay, so uh, let me check and see if he's come yet. Nope, he's still not here. So uh, hopefully the message will get through to him, and uh, he will be coming here uh, shortly. Okay, we'll go ahead and get started with some of the short track news uh, from this past week. And uh, I want to do that real quick here. And uh, let me see. I want to keep an eye. I want to keep an eye out on when Sal shows up as well. So I'm kind of setting myself up here for both things. So let me come back here. Okay, now then, I apologize for the diversion here, uh, but I do want to get into some of the short track news from this past weekend. Ganache won the Extreme Outlaw Midget Opener that took place at the Southern Illinois Center. Uh, So uh, definitely uh, congratulations goes out to him on that short track victory. 
Okay, I'm going to bring Sal into the queue here. Sal, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Sharon. Yeah, I'm really happy to hear. I know you had a rough week last week. I'm I'm glad that uh, you're doing okay and that you're back here tonight. Yeah, I probably should have taken the night off. Oh, dear. Well, I've got Jay on standby if you want me to call on him. No, that's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll continue. Okay. Yeah, I just, I just, I got, I know it's, it's, it's been a, no, I, I've been, I just got on, so you're on the short track right now, right? Yeah, I'm doing the short track now. I just okay. did the first one under the dirt category. Uh, if you want to do the second one, that's great. Okay, let me, let me, let me get to our, to our page here. Where we're at. Oh my gosh, it's a long one tonight. <laughs> so I think if you, if, <laughs> yeah. If, I did the one on Ken um, and Macintosh. Okay, all right, yeah, okay, here we go. Okay, the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Weekend at Fort Royal Speedway was canceled due to wintry <clears throat> conditions, so I guess it must have been too windy. Hmm. Yeah, or there was snow. That's I know we one. had some snow. Yeah, that's so a that's new one. Possible. Okay. Also, David Gravel dominated uh, at Volusia Speedway Park for his third World of Outlaw Sprint Car Series win in five starts. So you can read about that over at theworldofoutlaws.com if you want to know more. But another uh, congratulations goes out to David Gravel. And then we have uh, Kyle Larson is among the group excited to see Jonathan Davenport make his Cup Series debut, which they announced yeah, we, uh, last week. You guys exactly. probably talked about it on your uh, – I'm sure you guys we, talked about it on Thursday night. We definitely did. We talked about Jonathan Davenport. He's going to be racing at the Bristol Dirt Race. And uh, a lot of people are excited about this one. Jonathan Davenport is a big name in uh, dirt racing. Yes, it'll be okay. it'll be add more excitement to the um, to the racing over there, definitely. No, without a doubt. Okay, now we'll move to short tracks. Casey Roderick won that inaugural ASA Stars National Super Late Model Race out at Five Five Flakes. Flag Speedway, but that was only part of the story from the night. Uh, Matt Reaver writes about it over at Short Track Scene. Uh, this was a big event that we've been building up to, and uh, <coughs> it finally took place this past weekend. So, congrats to Casey Roderick. Yeah, there was a lot of. I watched the the race because Derek was running in it. Jacob right. Gomes, Blaine Rocha, and. Um, Jeremy Doss, all from the West Coast. Doug Presley used to be a West Coast driver. Now he's, he, he moved out towards center somewhere. But, um, yeah, they, I'm, I'm sure, like you said, you probably read it. They, they, they did have some issues with the race. And, um, unfortunately, it's, um, unfortunately, what happened happened. But, it, you know, I talked to Ricky Brooks just real quick. And him and Bob Sargent were supposed to try and get together and, and do a national tour. 
But um, hmm. Ricky didn't want to get on board because he said that Bob wanted it all his way and didn't want to listen to Ricky, you know, on his input. So that's why we have the SRL National and you have the ASA Stars National Tour instead of having one. Instead of just having Got one it. tour, you know, to do the both of them. So this is how it's going to go this season. And, and uh, talking with Ricky, he doubts anything's going to happen next season either. So they're going to keep building up their races. And I, and from what it sounds like, Bob Sargent um, is going to keep building up his. Okay. Well, we'll see how that plays out. I know uh, Matt Weaver writes uh, about Bob Sargent and uh, indicating that he has a lot to unpack from that first race. As you mentioned, there was a lot that went on. So uh, he's got to kind of go through all of that and decide what he wants to do kind of moving forward. So we'll see what happens. You can read about that over at Short Track Scene. Uh, again, Matt Reaver writes about that ASA Stars National Super Late Model Race out at Park Point Speedway. Yeah, which was the second. <clears throat> I jumped the gun a little bit. It was the second highlight. The ASA promoter Bob Sargent has much to unpack from the first race. Um uh, just, you know, like I said, you know, it's a, it's a new series, you know, they're trying to get it going and, um, you know, so it's, it's going to take time, you know, to see how it works out. I know a lot of drivers were not happy with, with the way it went, with the way it was run, but, um, drivers are drivers, you know, if they're going to keep showing up as long as they keep putting out the big purses like that, 25, 20,000 to win, the drivers will yep. show up. Yep, they they definitely will. Okay, Deke McCaskill and Carson Quapple, uh they uh, topped, uh, actually Deke McCaskill topped Carson uh, Quapple in the Tours opener at Southern National Motorsports Park. So uh, more on the racing uh, at that Tours opener. Yes, and actually Carson, Carson Quapple is the, He's uh, ready to defend his car's um, tour title from last season. He was the car's yep. tour uh, champion. So he'll be ready to get back into it uh, this year, you know, and defend his title, see how he stacks up against the field. Yep, yep. But he's going to be uh, defending his title in another series, too. Yes. And then in the car's, in the car's tour title. Right. Yeah, that's what I said. I, that's what I said. That Carson's ready to defend his his car's oh, okay. tour title from last year. Yeah, from last okay. year. Okay. Okay. Also, Landon Huffman and Tyler Matthews split the Hickory Twin Forties wins in a very controversial night. Uh, I guess there were a couple drivers now uh, that could not race the second half of the race due to some obscure rule that wasn't in the rule book. Uh, based on what I've been reading on Twitter today. Uh, so uh, Matt Weaver writes about all of that over at Short Track Scene, if everybody wants to know more about that. Uh, but a lot of controversy from that race as well. And then the last thing on our list is Kale Gale will be back in a full-time racing series looking to chase the championship next season. Um, I'm not sure what series it was, I know he already knows. I know he made the announcement, but I didn't actually go back and see which one it was. Well, I think uh, one of it was that uh, ASA Stars Tour. 
and maybe the Cars Tour as well. So we'll see. Uh, but we'll see him at the track, which is uh, very good news. Okay, also at Racing America, uh, they have uh, quite a few articles up as well. Um, they talk about that uh, Hickory begins the road to the all-star late model showdown with SRX at Thunder Road. So that's going to be coming soon. And uh, I know fans are looking forward to the SRX being back on track. Yeah, it should be exciting with that. And uh, let me see what else. My things, my speed stops, Sharon. Your what? <clears throat> I know. I went over my to feed. Racing America. Oh, okay. I, I've already looked at them. I keep putting my, spinning my phone up. The, the oh, screen, okay. I'm like, don't tell me. I thought I locked again because I locked at work today. I thought I locked again. I'm like, dang, man, come well, on. Well, while you're looking that up, I, what I'll do is I'll go to the strong field that's headed to the Rattler 250 at South Alabama Speedway this weekend. Uh, again, it's a 35-car field. Uh, there's $25,000 to win the event. Uh, and Ty Majeski is looking for his fourth consecutive win there. Uh, but there's some other drivers that could give him a run for his money. Oh, yeah. Um, Derek Thorne will be back uh, racing this this weekend at uh, the Rattler. And you'll see um, Bubba Pollard. You'll see Stephen Nassi. Um, I'm sure Casey yes, Roddick is going to all make the trip. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, Jeremy there's Doss. a lot of drivers. You know. Oh, yeah, Jeremy Doss is going to be there. Um, you know, and actually this – the Rattler is, we're talking about the two series, the, um, we're talking about the um, ASA series. The Rattler runs <laughs> under the SRL National Series. So oh, okay. It's going to, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. So this is a Ricky Brooks um, SRL Southwest Tour production that's going to be running yeah, this Saturday. Yeah, SRL so, National Super uh, Late Models. <clears throat> yes, so there's going to be a lot of eyes on it to see how this race goes off as compared to what happened this past weekend at the um, at the, uh, at the yes, ASA opener at uh, Five Flag Speedway, yeah. Also, uh, that race, by the way, is taking place this weekend from the 17th through the 19th. Uh, again, a lot of eyes will be watching this one, as uh, uh, Sal is uh, indicating here. So fans will definitely want to check that one out. Okay, let's move over to flood racing because we're starting to run out of some time here. Let me just mention a couple of things here and just let you know there's just so many things. This is where you can read about Larson's uh, thoughts on Davenport's uh, NASCAR Cup Series debut uh, out at the Bristol Dirt Race. Uh, you can hear more about that there, there, as well as from Jonathan Davenport himself. He discusses his NASCAR Cup Series plans uh, it's almost 10 minutes long, and uh, you can hear directly from Jonathan Davenport about that uh, race at uh, the Bristol Dirt Race with the NASCAR Cup Series. So uh, we're going to end it there because we do have to kind of move along now to uh, the <clears throat> Arkham Menard Series. They had their combination event this past weekend out at Phoenix Raceway, season opener for the Arca West. And it was the second race for the Arkham Menard Series, but one driver rose to the occasion, and that was Tanner Reif, 
winning uh, his very first victory Tyler. in the Arkham Art Series at Phoenix. Tyler Rife. Or did I say Tanner? Sure. I meant Tyler. Yeah, you said Tanner. Yeah, Tyler Rife. Tyler Rife. <clears throat> so uh, pretty exciting for Tyler Rife. Did you get a chance to watch this one, Sal? Actually, I did. Um, I watched it while I was in the hospital. Yeah, so, I figured. I mean, I, I, had, I had I had no distraction. I had nobody tell me, "Come on, we got to go to dinner, or we got to make dinner, or or we're going here, we're going there." I said, "I said I ain't going anywhere." I said, "I'm stuck here." I said, mm-hmm. "So I flipped open my uh, my tablet and uh, and watched it on Ken Fox, Fox Sports Two. Mm-hmm. And I was able to watch the Xfinity race on Fox Sports 1 because the hospital has Fox Sports 1, but not Fox Sports 2. All right, so, watch right. the so it was his third start in the ARCA platform with Loudon Jackson Motorsports. He emerged the winner uh, in that combination event after a pair of green-white uh, checkered restarts. So uh, <clears throat> that was... Uh, he was able to prevail over some pretty uh, pretty good drivers. Yes, he was. And once again, <clears throat> you know, congratulations to Tyler on the win. Um, I don't know how many of you watched it, but they did the replay the next morning at like 5 a.m. So if mm-hmm. they were drawing butt, I didn't want to watch the replay again. <laughs> yeah, they always have those replays. <clears throat> and keep in mind, there will be yeah. a replay that you can watch on CNBC as well on, uh, let's see, at Phoenix. That will be on, uh, actually, they won't have a replay this time because it played on uh, Fox Sports. So you won't be able to see the replay except on that app. So just an FYI there. But There um, was caution after caution and caution after caution and caution after caution. I thought this race was never going to end. Well, I'll tell you, they finally did get it ended. Uh, Landon Lewis finished second. The gap between first and second was point two eight eight thousandths of a second. Uh, Bradley Erickson finished in third place. Then it was Andres Perez de Lara coming in fourth. And Kyle Keller rounds out the top five. Uh, the next five drivers are Frankie Munoz, uh, Connor Jones, Leland Honeyman, and Trevor Huddleston and Greg Van Elst rounds out that top ten. So uh, that's quite quite uh, a deal there. <laughs> like you said, a lot of cautions, uh, but he Tyler was the one that uh, kind of prevailed when it was all said and done. Yes, and actually uh, for a while there, I thought it was going to be uh, um, Carter Jones who was going to be the uh, the big winner. Okay. Uh, I know that um, there were a few setbacks throughout the race, uh, but he ended up, uh, like you say, working his way through it. Uh, for my, it says in here that much of the evening it looked like William Sobolich, who is making his ARCA debut for Joe Gibbs Racing, would be the driver celebrating in victory lane. Uh, but during the first green-white checkered restart, Sobolich spun uh, from the race lead after contact with third place Bradley Erickson, and that suddenly handed the lead over to uh, T- Tyler, the younger brother of the two-time West Series race winner Tanner Rife. 
Yes, and and actually Saulich looked to be the um, like you said, you know, he he was the he was the class of the field. Jesse Love had his he was also looking good up there in front, you know, before he got it to uh, before he got hit from behind, and then uh, Jack Wood was actually looked was another one that looked, looked like he was going to grab his first uh, his first Arc Bernard Series win, and he was also denied. And um, with all the bad blood going on between uh, um, Tanner and uh, Tanner Rife and I mean Tyler Rife and uh, and Landon Lewis, yes, they going on, you know, in the in the um, Legend Series. I, I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be more of a a bump and you know who's going to take who out but actually both uh both tyler and uh and landon ran each other clean you know and, and tyler ended up with the uh with the win oh that's really good to hear um <clears throat> lewis crest finished line second after leading out the white flag and erickson who raced within the top five for much of the night ended up with that third-place finish. Uh, now, the Arkham Menard Series is going to return to action on April 22nd. They'll be running the General Tire 200 at Talladega Super Speedway, and that will be on Fox Sports 1 at about 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the 22nd. So it'll be a month away, uh, so we've got some time there. But the Arkham Menard Series West competitors return to action on April 1st, when the, when the series visits California's Irwindale Speedway uh, for the West Coast Stock Car Motorsports Hall of Fame 150, again, that will be a um, live event at 10 p.m. Eastern Time uh, with live streaming over at Flow Racing. So uh, the, the, <clears throat> those two series will be back on track, but there's going to be a little gap here. Uh, between that and their next race. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, there'll be a little bit of gap, and like you said, they're coming to Orangeville, so it's going to be nice to have <clears throat> to have them stay out, you know. You know Let's stay out cover here, the stay points for the ARCA and, series. So after uh, after the race, that uh, oops, I don't. Yeah, I guess they do have some drivers here that race both races. After the race at uh, both Phoenix and uh, Daytona. <laughs> okay, from what I can see, you know what they um, I can't find the. Uh, okay, I've got it here. Um, I just clicked on the next year. Greg Van Alt continues to lead. Uh, yes. And he, then it's Connor Mosack two points back. Sean Kaur, five points back. LeVar Scott is six points back. And Mandy Chick, eight points back. Okay, now, it does, there's a couple of people here, like Greg Van Alt has two races in. Jesse Love, Jack Wood, Frankie Munoz, Christian Rose. Several of these drivers did race the two races. Uh, but some of these drivers in the top ten only raced at Daytona but they still have enough points to be up there. So it's kind of interesting to see how that played out. Well, what it is 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 is, is, is all of the West Series regulars, they didn't mm-hmm. give any points towards the, towards the ARCA. 
towards the ARCA series. Because yeah, they only gave 40 ARCA drivers. drivers. Yeah. Plus, some are ARCA. They're just regular ARCA drivers because uh, Tyler Wright became the first driver to, first West Coast driver to win a, to win a race in the, in the ARCA, ARCA series, ARCA East and ARCA West. All right. Now, let me just look here and see if they've got the uh, ARCA West up. They do have the ARCA West up if you want to read that. So it wasn't up earlier yeah, was today, but it is now. Okay, I was looking for the ARCA West, and they had, I'm looking at last year's. Yeah, you got to hit the next year. Standards. The link for next year so you can get to 23. Hannah Reif, of course, is at the top of the list as the race winner. This is just the West drivers that are on this particular list. Okay, I went to standings. I went to uh, Arco Menard Series West. And there's a link on that page when you go to the page after you click the West. There's a link for next year. I've got okay, it here. Tanner, Tanner Rife, Landon Lewis, Bradley Erickson, Andres, Andres Perez de Lara, Kyle Keller, Frankie Munoz, Connor Jones, Leland Honeyman, Trevor Huddleston, and Greg Van Elts. Uh It goes pretty much with the finishing order. Those are your top ten drivers. After the first race, uh, this was a season opener for the Arkham Menard Series West. Okay, good. Gotcha. Okay. So with that, let's see if I can get back to the Arkham Menard Series. Um, by the way, there are a number of uh, really good articles over at Arkham Menards, uh, ArkaRacing.com. Uh, it includes... Uh, uh, you know, Tanner Rife or Tyler Rife actually led the practice results uh, as well. There's also the Frankie Munoz hoping for a hometown advantage, uh, <clears throat> and then there's a there's a section here, Arca pit stop rules, and explaining that for the Arca Menard series. Uh, so a lot of really good articles about some of the different drivers: uh, Tony Bridinger, Christian Rose. Uh, there was a big crash between those drivers, and they were collected. Uh, another big crash that took Jesse Love and Jack Wood out of the race. Uh, that's also on the highlights. Uh, and Frankie Munoz actually went for a very early spin in that General Tire 150 out at uh, Phoenix. So you can watch that on the highlights as well. <clears throat> okay. Okay, let's talk about the ARCA East. The ARCA East has their season opener, and isn't it weird, Sal, that they have not had their season opener yet? I'm so used to them opening out at New Smyrna Speedway when everybody's in Daytona, and uh, this year it didn't happen. We have to wait till March 25th to be able to watch the ARCA Menard Series East race out at Five Flags Speedway for the Pensacola 200 at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, that will be streamed live on uh, Flow Racing. Yes, that'll be that'll be interesting to watch it on Flow Racing. Um, mm-hmm. 
I am completely lost. No, okay. Well, that's okay. It's at the top of the, at the, top of the hour, so we're going to switch over to the truck series. Uh, I know they did not race this weekend, but we can cover. Uh, first of all, I'm going to let you know when their next race is. Uh, everybody's headed back to Atlanta Motor Speedway this week uh, for the Freight 208 at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday, March the 18th. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM Radio. So, uh, but if we look at the last race, um, that was the Victoria's Voice Foundation out at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Uh, but let's just update everybody on what the driver points are for the uh, NASCAR Truck Series. Okay, let me see. Let me go there now. How did people going to do the truck series? They weren't running this week. Right, but we we always do an update just to keep everybody up to date with what's going on. And we'll cover some of the news for the truck series as well. But I wanted to cover these points first. Okay. Now, they've got two races in the book. Las Vegas and Daytona. So we should have the same driver points that we had last week after the finish in Vegas. Wow. Yeah, but we have sure different, li- different listeners from week to week, Sal. So. No, I know. No, I know. No, I'm just saying. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm looking down. James Smith is still leading the points with the one with one race win. Mm-hmm. Zane's already locked in. And then second is Tyman Jeske, third is Chris Hedecky, fourth is Matt Crafton, fifth is Ben Rhodes, sixth is Grant Infinger, seventh is Carson Hosovar, eighth is Matthew uh, uh, Benedetto, ninth is Tanner Green, Chase Birdie rounds out the top ten. Yes, so it's early yet, only two races in the books, uh, as I mentioned, Daytona and Las Vegas. Now they're headed to Atlanta Motor Speedway for their third race of the year, and uh, it's it's going to be fun to see them back on track uh, this coming weekend. Jay and I will do a preview of that race on Thursday night. Uh, but, uh, again, we just want to make sure everybody's up to date with when that next race takes place, uh, what the point standings are, and then uh, – <clears throat> So, and what some of the news is uh, in this series. So, uh, one of the big things that came out last week is that William Byron is going to race with Cowbush Motorsports again, uh, this time for a three-race truck series schedule. So, uh, that's kind of cool to see him reunite with Cowbush Motorsports, a different manufacturer than what he was with uh, when he raced with them before in the truck series. They're now with Chevy. But uh, pretty cool to see that happening. He's going to race uh, yeah, April 8th. Go ahead. Yeah, it is. No, I'm just saying. Go ahead. No, April. he'll race April 8th for the truck race on dirt at Bristol Motor Speedway uh, with the Ricky Hendrick tribute scheme to adorn the number 51. 
for the races at Darlington Raceway on May 12th and North, Wilk- North Wilkesboro Speedway on May 20th. Uh, all three of those races will mark his first starts in the truck series at the respective venues. So uh, three races on the books for William Byron with Galbush Motorsports in the truck series. So that's going to make things exciting. Well, yeah, especially for William, you know, um, you know, like you said, you know, not having to race it before, you know, and then, you know, getting a chance to do three races, you know, it's going to, um, you know, should be a lot of fun for him, you know, it should be a, a good learning curve for him and, uh, you know, see how, see how, how his talent stacks up against those in the, that run in the truck series regularly. Exactly. Uh, so... Uh, he was very good when he raced in the truck series. So it'll be good to see him back there. Also, we've had a slew of announcements of crossovers from other racing series coming over to NASCAR's top three. One of those is Ed Jones is making his NASCAR debut at Coda for Young's Motorsports. He's an IndyCar uh, racer uh, who's making his uh, Craftsman Truck Series debut at Circus of Americas, of the Americas. Uh, so another IndyCar driver coming over to NASCAR. Had you heard that news, Sal? Uh, yeah. Yes, I did. I did hear about that. Um, I got lost here again. Darn it. I'm on J-Skis now, so. Yeah, no, that's where I'm at. I'm on J-Skis, too. I'm on the truck series. Just... <clears throat> yeah. Tyler Carpenter is also going to return to Nice Motorsports at Bristol Motor Speedway, uh, and his sponsor is going to be Precision Vehicle Logistics. So um, Tyler Carpenter will be behind the wheel of that Nice Motorsports uh, number 41 Chevrolet Silverado. So we'll, we can look forward to that at Bristol as well. Yes, and then they're also going to... Um, Long John Silver's is sponsoring the Truck Series race of Martinsville this year. So yeah, I, I heard the, about I don't that. Know the sponsor, yeah, I don't know who the sponsor was before, but... They're going to have a fish and chips company come in and... Uh, and yeah, I think and that's their, awesome. Uh, sponsorship to the... So anybody that likes chicken, fish... <laughs> or fish. fish. Long John Silver is fish, yeah. How do you know if we have those over here? I, You know, the one Anymore. we had... Uh, actually closed down here, so I know that they're still out there. We just don't have them near us. Yeah, I think I think ours, I think ours closed down. We used to have we had a, we had a whole bunch. And um, so another uh, news was, item for this weekend is uh, regarding Spencer Boyd. Boyd <clears throat> off the grid is going to sign on for a second season season with him. And uh, that will start with the race out at Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. So uh, nice to have a big sponsor come back with Spencer Boyd this year. 
Oh, yeah. Well, what else do we have going on here? <clears throat> Former NBA great Jerome Junkyard Dog Williams serving as Grand Marshal of the Truck Series race in Vegas. That already happened. That already happened, um, yeah. Yeah, that already happened. Um, so geez. I think we're caught uh, up with the, the Truck Series news. Yeah. The most recent news in the Truck Series, I think we're pretty well caught up. Um, again, their next race is actually going to be the Freight 208 at Atlanta Motor Speedway, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, this coming Saturday, March the 18th. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1, radio coverage on MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So uh, tomorrow we have the entry list will be coming out, and we'll be able to see who's on the entry list for those drivers. Uh, And as I mentioned, Jay and I will kind of preview that race coming up on Thursday night uh, on our radio show Thursday night. So uh, I think all three series will be racing out at Atlanta Motor Speedway. What are your thoughts about Atlanta Motor Speedway with this super speedway feel to it? It's not a super speedway track. It's a 1.5-mile track, but the drivers say it races like a super speedway. Is that good or bad, do you think? I don't know. I think it. I think it can go both ways. You know, it goes like that. You know, good for the drivers and you know some of the fans. You know, but then you know everybody talks about super speedway racing. You know, and, and uh, drafting that goes on. You know, how much racing do they really do? They just stay single file until the end. You know, and somebody makes a move. So I guess I guess that could be kind of bad for the fans' point of view. But I don't. From the owners and a mechanic's point of view, you know. They'd rather have, you know, the shorter, you know, the um, uh, shorter race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. It seems like um, it would be nice if they had the the um, more of the 1.5-mile feel to it instead of a super speedway feel. It's a, like Michigan. They say Michigan is a little bit different. It doesn't have that super speedway feel, but it, it is a very fast track um even though it's it's not considered a super speedway and uh, i know uh atlanta isn't considered a super speedway either at 1.5 miles but it races like a super speedway yeah and Michigan, you know that's the same thing with, with the auto club yeah with the auto club i mean it's just it's uh it's the same same concept the track is uh As, um, gosh, the track with Michigan Auto Club. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, but you know, they they, they you know the two don't really race the same. Yeah, two race yep. differently. They still race very differently. Yeah. Okay. okay, Sal. I know we're a little ahead of schedule here, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and get into. Let's see, did I get into the right race here? Yeah, Phoenix. Um, I want to get into uh, the review of our race at Phoenix for the uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, They raced the United Rentals 200. Sammy Smith 
driving uh, the number 18 in the, at the age of 18, the pilot flying J Toyota uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing and with crew chief Jeff Meandering. Uh, it was his very first victory in 13 Xfinity Series starts and his first victory and first top 10 finish this year. Uh, his first, it's also his first victory and second top 10 finish in two races at Phoenix Raceway. Ryan Truex is back. He finished second. He posted his third top 10 finish in seven races at Phoenix and his first top 10 finish this year. Uh, then it was Sheldon Creed posting his third top 10 finish in four races at Phoenix Raceway. Uh, and Sammy Smith was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, but I want to get back to uh, what happened in that race uh, because <laughs> that was an exciting finish at the end of that race. Uh, let me see if I can pull up the... Okay, here we go. Sammy Smith also became the youngest winner at the Phoenix uh, Xfinity Series race. He's a high school senior. He's made the most of his fastest car in Saturday's race, becoming uh, the youngest winner at Phoenix at the age of 18. In a race that featured 11 cautions for 69 laps, Smith held off teammate Ryan Truex after a restart with 15 of the 200 laps left to give Joe Gibbs Racing its 16th victory at the one-mile track. Leading a race-high 92 laps, uh, Sammy Smith, the winner, uh, made the most of that first start. He actually made his first start last July. Oh, no. Actually, let me let me back up here. This is regarding uh, Ryan Truex making his first since first start since last July. Uh, he finished in that runner-up spot. Then it was Sheldon Creed who overcame a late race spin to finish third. Riley Earps with another uh, big finish uh, came in in fourth place, and Taylor Smith rounds out the top five. Then it was John Hunter Nemechek finishing sixth. Austin Hill. Josh Berry, Kyle Busch, and Daniel Hendrick made Hemrick made up the top ten. So Sammy Smith uh, beat some pretty big name drivers for that victory. While battling for third on that final lap, Colleague Racing teammates, uh, the number sixteen of Smith and the number ten of Bush, uh, that's Chandler Smith got into each other, hindering each other's finishing position. Also, Justin Algar swept the first two stages. Uh, it's the eighth time he's done that in his career. Uh, again, there were 14 lead changes among 11, eight drivers and 11 cautions for 69 yellow flag laps. The average speed of that race was 82.079 miles per hour. So your thoughts about the top ten here at Phoenix? And Sammy Smith's victory. Yeah, that was a, that was a good win by Sammy Smith. You know, I I kind of would have liked to see Ryan Truex get in there and steal the win, but he just he just, you know, he just didn't have the speed, you know, you know, to keep up with Sammy, you know, or, or you know, track position. But um, it was good to see you know right up there. Good to see finally Sebastian Creed, you know, get a decent finish too. He had a yeah. flat tire, you know, that he, instead, instead of coming into the pits. They just tell you to go to that corner, you know, and your team will get over. 
Well, I guess his team did a really excellent job because, you know, he was able to finish uh, um, third place. Yeah, it was, yeah, he was finishing third place. So it's it's going to see some improvement out of Sheldon this this you know compared to you know, what we what we seen last year. The expe- mm-hmm. expectations for him were high. Yes, indeed. A lot of people thought it was going to be Kyle Busch uh, taking the victory out here at Phoenix, uh, coming in from the Cup Series. But these drivers, uh, Kyle ended up in ninth. <laughs> Uh, there were eight drivers who finished ahead of him, and I bet that was uh, a big thrill for all eight of those drivers. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was, you know. Uh, but, you know, how about that Ryan finishing second? Gosh, I mean, I don't think uh, I've ever seen him finish. I, I know he's finished that high, but I don't think I've ever seen it. And it might have been an yeah. on-television race, but, you know, it's still neat you know, to see him get in there and, and hop on that second trade, you know, and, and you know, get get that third again. Yeah, that that was pretty exciting to see. I, I'm happy for Ryan Truex. Okay, again, Sammy Smith was the highest finishing rookie of that race. Uh, some of the incidents here, Dawson Cram and the number 74 actually was out on lap 99. He had a fuel pump issue. Greg Galding. Uh, was involved in an accident on 137, lap 137, taking him out of the race. Justin Algauer had an accident on lap 178 uh, that gave him a 36-place finish. Uh, Blaine Perkins out on lap 192. He had a suspension issue. And then uh, Kaz Grella finished a lap down. Uh, he only completed 199 of the 200 laps. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, there are only a few drivers who had issues in this race. Again, the margin of victory was point zero six four one thousandths of a second uh, between first and second place. Any other thoughts? No, I was just, I was just going up and down the, down the thing and looking at, uh, you know, at, you know, at all the hoopla, you know, about Cowboys, you know, coming in and, you know, and racing a Chevy, you know, instead of, uh, instead of a Joe Gibbs racing Toyota and, you know, finishing, you know, getting a ninth spot, you know, as one of the, um, as one of the drivers, you know, that, uh, you know, that came from the other series. But, you know, it's good to see a rookie, you know, get up there and win, you know, Sammy Smith, you know, um, you know, grabbing that, you know, grabbing that win, you know, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, sure he was. I was sure excited for him. Huh? Yeah, he 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 did have a good chance at, at getting those the eight wins that Noah Gregson had last year. Yep, he's well. He's driving the, for Joe Gibbs Racing this year in yeah. that number eighteen car. So uh, that's uh, pretty good equipment. <laughs> we'll have to uh, see how the rest of the season plays out here. Uh, but that was a very big win for Sammy Smith. It really puts his name on the map, if you will, uh, by winning that race uh, with Joe Gibbs Racing. But um, we've got a lot of different drivers in the in the Xfinity Series this year, and I think they're shaking it up. But I'm real proud of Riley Earps. He's been running uh, in that top ten weekend and week out. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been. Uh... He's been running really good, uh, 
you know, compared to how he ran last year, and I think a lot of it might be because he has that teammate in, um, in Cole Custer. Yep. Another one to watch out for this year is Austin Hill. Man. I know. Every week. Every week he sneaks up in there and, uh, you know, leads some laps and then, you know, for whatever reason just can't seal the deal. But I think we're going to see a lot of wins out of him. he wins. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more out of him. Yeah, he's got that Daytona yep. win. Yep, and, and the, he's um, got uh, another win too. Um, it might have been at Las Vegas last week. I can't remember. Yeah, it was that. Las Vegas because, yeah, because uh, – um, excuse me, John Hunter Neiman got the win at Auto Club. Oh, okay. Yep. So I think we're it's going to be a big year for, for Austin Hill in his yeah, We're car. waiting for a burnout. We're waiting for the burnout that never came. <laughs> and then we found out the reason he didn't, the reason John Hunter didn't do a burnout is because NASCAR made it mandatory that the car they used at Auto Club they had to use in Las yep. Vegas. Right. So and he didn't I want thought, to tear up and yeah, that's not right. I mean, come on. <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think that was right. That was that was not that was not kosher. Well, he he took care of his car, so he'd have it for that next race. Uh, yeah, that still, that's, yeah, that's, that's something up with that. Okay, let, let's let, get let to the, the kid, point. Let him burn it down. <laughs> I, let's let's I say uh, let him talk burn about it down. the point. I hear you. If he wants to burn it down, let him. You know, I mean, that's part of winning the race, you know. I hear. Yeah, but it puts a lot of work on his crew to kind of prepare that next car for the next yeah. race. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, of course, leading the points with the two wins is Austin Hill. John Hunter Nemechek sitting in second with one win. He's already locked into the chase. Um, sitting third is Justin Allgaier, who had his issues. Um, on, on Saturday, um, and then you got Chandler Smith in fourth, and then there's Riley Herbst in fifth, and Sammy Smith rounds out the top uh, the top six. Sammy Smith, Two another rookie, you know, who's six. got his win. Yeah, Sammy's already got a win, so he's already locked in. And then mm-hmm. from there, from there, then we got a um, from there, then we have a. Uh, we go to seventh with Sam Mayer. Eighth is Cole Custer, who's been fast but just can't seal the deal. Um, and then ninth is Josh Berry in the in the JR Motorsports car. Tenth is Daniel Hamrick. Eleventh is Sheldon Creed. And rounding out the top twelve is Parker Klingerman. So Sheldon yep. Creed is having a good season. He's up there in the with the um, you know up in eleventh place. Wow. And Ben Master, he he was trying to get into the playoffs and you know he struggled a lot so um yeah uh, we're, we're looking at some good that's some good uh some good racing this year from the from the uh Infinity series yeah yep i think it is going to be really really good and uh <clears throat> i think you're right i think raleigh erps has been uh, having a teammate this season in Cole Custer is going to benefit him a great deal. And uh, I think we're going to see good things from Riley Earps this season. Uh, so definitely looking forward to that. Um, <clears throat> anything else you want to make sure we mention before we uh, start uh, 
given the lowdown on our next uh, segment here. Yeah, he's got a lot of uh, – Riley has a lot of confidence going into this season. You know, he's talked about it, you know, and, uh, um, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see how the, you know, how the season plays out, you know, since the eyes are on – technically the eyes are on – on um, uh, on Cole this year, you know, with that. Yep, yep. Also, uh, talking about that, I read today, too, that Chad Chastain is going to make his Xfinity Series debut at Atlanta this weekend for GGM Racing. So uh, that's going to be exciting to see as well. He's going to pilot that number 91, Protect Your Melon Chevrolet, uh, at that 1.54 mile track, so uh, nice to see Chad Chastain uh, coming into the Xfinity Series. Wow, I I, I never even knew that that uh, that a um, that there's two watermelons in one series. <laughs> two watermelon guys, huh? <clears throat> yeah, two watermelon. Uh, I thought it was all. Well, Ross is in the Cup Series. Chad's going to be racing the Xfinity Series. Okay, I'll, I, I, I should have I should have phrased that better in in the in NASCAR. Right, right. I, I never I never knew I never knew I never knew Ross had a had a had a, a brother. brother. They must really be doing well. I think I was going to start a new business. I think I'm going to start start. Uh, growing watermelons, shoot, because if they got enough there money go. to have put two kids in the NASCAR <laughs> growing watermelons, I, I don't think um, oranges or apples is the way to go. Okay. Well, Todd, Gilliland also has a new sponsor coming in for Atlanta. Uh, also, I read this, too. Xfinity has an endorsement deal with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, so I guess... Uh, Recently, Xfinity surprised one lucky NASCAR fan with an opportunity to ride in a two-seat car with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, The brand provided an Xfinity Rewards customer the chance to work on a genuine NASCAR car with uh, Earnhardt's pit crew and take a spin around the track in the newly tuned-in car. Um, So that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah, it is. Shoot. Because most of the ride logs are like with, um, you know, uh, Media. gosh, what? Uh, yeah, they. I mean, they do it all the tracks. They usually do them with, um, with. Uh, oh man, who's that? That one, that one girl truck driver that doesn't even race anymore, and they just kind of. I guess that's how she makes her her living now is doing uh, ride alongs. Mm. Oh man, who was it? Yeah, they 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 use. They use some, uh, you know, some people that are retired already. Yeah, that, I know Drew Herring cool. has, uh, I've ridden with Drew Herring and Eric Jones and um, actually even uh, Bodine, not Jeff Bodine, but his brother. Um can't think of his name right now. But the Onion? Not the Onion. It was uh, the other Bodine. I can't think of his first name right now, but I've ridden with him before. I've ridden with Eric Jones, and I've ridden with Drew Herring, 
<laughs> Remember Drew Herring? Yeah, you know what? Actually, I did one with um. Oh, I did with at Las Vegas. I can't remember what her name was. Uh, she was uh. She used to drive a truck. Mm, okay. So we've only got a couple minutes here before your guest comes back on. Uh, I'm going to take a break again to give my voice a rest here. Uh, but you talked with Nathan last week. You're going to talk with him again this week for part two of an interview. And I'm, I'm listening in, uh, but I really think it's really cool that you have uh, Nathan Quella who is a Legend Car Series driver, uh, coming on board for this two-part interview. Yeah, um, I sent him a a message earlier, so um, hopefully he kept the, uh, hopefully he kept the, um, I hate this, now I can't open up, yeah, now I can't open up the, uh, the iPhone's going to open up a PDF. Mm. Huh, that's weird. So, um, anyways, let me, uh, let me anyway, let me, can you do a lead up to him as to some of the things you wanted to talk about with him? Yeah, actually, we're going to talk about his, um, Anyways, our next guest is, is, is Nathan, Nathan Quella, who we had on last week. We talked about Nathan's win, and we're hoping that Erndale is supposed to run this weekend, but unfortunately, because of the rain, we didn't run, so he didn't get a chance to race. So we want to finish the interview and talk about his Lionheart, um, which is what the name of his race team is. And um, uh, let me send him a text to remind him. Okay. Yeah, we, there's still a minute here. Let me look and see if he's on yet. He's here, Sal. I can bring him in. Oh, he's here. here? Yeah, he's here. Okay, yeah. He, he, yeah, he said he's been, he's been waiting in the lobby. Okay, so, so he's here. I've got him in the right, queue All right, Okay, with that, we're going to we're gonna do our second interview this week with, with Nathan Quella. Last week we had him on. We talked about his um, his win over at uh, Las Vegas and actually his first win. This week we're hoping to talk about a second win, but unfortunately we didn't have no race last this past weekend at Orangeville because it got rained out. So he got to uh, relax and, uh, and think about what, what we're going to talk about. So now we're going to talk about who Nathan Quella is and – he has a real interesting story. Um, he races for Ricky Slick Racing, but his name of his team is Lionheart Racing. And we're going to talk about where the Lionheart name came in and delve a little bit more deep into, uh, into who Nathan really is. So with that, we want to welcome Nathan to the show. Welcome to the show, Nathan, again. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me again. Can you hear me all right? Yes, we can hear you. So Perfect. last weekend, last Monday, we talked about your win. Unfortunately, Mother Nature didn't allow you to, to race this week. But um, kind of tell us about Ricky. Is it Ricky Schlick slash Lionheart, or is it Lionheart Racing? So 
my team is Lionheart Racing, but we run under the Ricky Schlick Racing team um, just as a collaborative effort. Uh, we rent a car from him, and I think it's been a really beneficial partnership for both sides. Okay, that's that's where I was that's where I was trying to get straight at. So, kind of kind of give us a little bit of background about Lionheart. I I I know there's a lot there's a lot that went into it, but there's also a reason why why you why you named your team Lionheart, and let's let's um let's start from the beginning. So I was born with a congenital heart defect called Tetralogy of Fallot, very rare uh, heart defect, only a few thousand people in the world born with it every year. Uh, first surgery, they cut my chest open when I was six months old, um, had another uh, replacement of a pulmonary valve when I was 10, had another one replaced at 12, and all that went into the heart part of the name. Uh, it's just been a very long journey not just for me, but for my parents and from my family and friends and those around me um, that have helped me to push through all the, the challenges with the heart. And then the lion both stands for uh, God and the strength that it takes to both drive race cars and to fight through a journey like my heart journey. So these surgeries... Have you already started racing, or did you start racing after the surgeries? So I started racing after the surgeries, but I had driven some short course off-road carts. Got my first one for my ninth birthday, and I drove that for a few years, and then got a second one shortly after. Um and then with that second valve replacement, I had to stop for a little while, and then we ended up selling that and getting into a bigger short-course off-road car, and that eventually, through um, through a few contacts, led us to Ricky Schlick, and now we're on this amazing path that I've been blessed to take. So with with, with the surgeries, you know, with and with the you know with everything going on with your heart, has was was there were a time you know in your in, cause I I know when when your kids were we feel like we're destructible but from a parent's step, you know standpoint you know you know we're always really careful you know we you know we're protective you know and you know and and of course you know with that especially when you talk about a heart you know you're talking about a you know um you know an organ in the body that's very important you know without it. You know, I mean, you know, you have to have a strong one in order to, in order just to survive regular, you know, just your regular days like that. But to be a race car driver, you know what, was there ever any doubt or any time, you know, that your mom and dad said, you know, that maybe, you know, we, we shouldn't pursue it or should we just go ahead and pursue it? You know, because I'm sure the doctors had to really, really, really give them the thumbs up to let you get in a race car and, and do it because of all the stress, you know, that you put on yourself, you know, the just everything, you know, goes into being a race car driver. I think from the parent standpoint, they were always, they wanted to make sure that I was safe. But when they, they saw the love that I had for racing, I think it was hard for them to stop it. And uh, my doctors gave the okay once we kind of described the sport to them. Um, 
of course, safety measures, and they wanted to know if anything bad happened. But it's it's more about me training myself to be a more active person and more capable and working my heart to be capable of this highly intensive sport. Um, but my doctors worked so hard and my family and myself have worked so hard to give me the health that I have. And uh, thanks to many, many miracles and just amazing people along the way, we've been able to, to push through that. And now I'm a fully healthy professional race car driver. So, uh, and, and I'm sure, I'm sure from, especially from your standpoint, because you're the one that has it, 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 it probably, there was a lot of discipline, you know, as far as, you know, training, you know, you know, you know, getting yourself ready you know, to get in the car, you know, um, you know, just a lot of uh, different stuff, you know, that goes on, you know, you know, uh, in order for you to, uh, to compete at this level, especially in a legend car, you know, I mean, yeah, eventually, you know, I'm sure we'll see you in a late model, you know, probably a super late, pro late. But, um, you know, when you talk, when you talk about legend car racing, it's fast, um, it's quick. And there's a lot of, for those, for those out there who have never seen a legend car race, you really got to see a legend car race compared to seeing a stock car race because these guys, they're, they're living, they're racing on the edge of the seat. They're racing at the edge of spinning. They're racing at the edge of hitting somebody and knocking them out of the race. I mean, it, it is, it's, it's some pretty intense racing when you, when you really look at, at, a, at a legend car, especially when you get 20, 30, 35, 40 of these little cars out there. It, it is, it's, it's chaos. Yeah, these cars are intense, and it's taken, I mean, primarily my training has been experience and getting seat time. There's no amount of training that can truly live up to getting in that car and the adrenaline that comes with it and the difficulty of driving those cars. But, I mean, we, our team, we have a workout plan that we like to do together. Um, definitely make sure that I'm staying healthy, staying decently active, trying to eat decently. But, yeah, definitely maintaining um, reaction time and strength and stamina is big for this kind of racing. Has, has, there, has there been a time, you know, recently, you know, especially, you know, with the – because I, I see how active you and your dad are. Not only you guys are there, you know, with the – you know, on race weekend. But, you know, like I had mentioned last week, you know, when, when Ricky was racing the SRL series, you know, you and your dad are over there, you know, helping Ricky with the car, you know, and, you know, helping with the team, you know, whether it was to fuel up or grab a jack, you know, grab a jack stand, you know, whatever you guys are there for, you know, then even um, a couple of weeks ago when I was up at Irondale um, doing some photography for one of the ARCA teams, you know, you were up there, you know, helping, you know, a new driver, you know, get used to the car and all that. Yeah, with with everything that Ricky and everybody along the way has given to me, um, I feel it only right, and I feel just a, a will in my heart to give back um, in any way that I can. And Jason, my stepdad, feels that too. Um, 
and we love it. We love going out and helping and working on race cars. It's race cars are our favorite thing. So anytime we get blessed with the opportunity to be around them and to help the people that have helped us, it's just a great feeling and we take any opportunity that we can. So is is, is there any other kind of any kind of um um activities that you guys do as a family besides racing, you know, like on the off weekends, like say this weekend, you know, we got we got the rain out, you know, they called it um Friday you know, and then said, you know, hey, you know, Saturday we're not going to run, you know, because, you know, the rain. And and we really didn't get that much rain, but we got enough to where, you know, they weren't going to be able to drive the track. It was going to be safe. They didn't want anybody sitting there waiting around for in case, you know, the big storm did come. So what what, what other activities do you guys do, you know, to keep in shape? Not only that, but, you know, just to keep that, that um you know, that vibe going. Um, well, we... Earlier this year, we started kind of a, a workout program. It's these simple, short workouts. But we got almost our whole team on board, and it's just created a bigger sense of unity. And then this past weekend, we decided, since we weren't racing, that we'd all barbecue up some food and have a great dinner where we could talk about our amazing team and our goals for this year and what we did last year and just the amazing group of people that I'm blessed to work with. So, so how many how many drivers do you, do you are is Ricky Fielding this year? You know, full time. You know, besides yourself. So, Ricky, I believe, is running three full time cars with the opportunity to expand. Um, myself in the forty two car. Um, once she uh, gets a little closer, we've got that new driver, Stevie Rodriguez. She's picked it up really quick. Um, we've got a couple other drivers that are going to be popping in for half seasons, a few races here and there. Uh, in the one car, Ashton Williams, the double zero, uh, a legend at Irwindale Speedway who's never driven a legends car before this past Thursday night. Uh, Robbie Hornsby, big time late model and spec late model driver. Um, and then we've got a few other drivers that'll be popping in from time to time. But really for Ricky, it's about maintaining several cars up at the top of the board, any track that we go to. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen, I've seen Robbie have put something about, I seen him where he said he was testing. I didn't know, you know, he said he was going to be racing them because the last, the last I heard about Robbie, you know, he was going to go into prolates, but either way that's either here or there. Um, why the number 42? Um, 42. We just really like the number. Um, and, Honestly, I Ricky designed it up. I think if I had to guess, it's probably because he was 24 and wanted to do the inverse of that. Um, but I just really love the design that he put on the car. And uh, unfortunately, we got caught up in an accident at Tucson last year. And Ricky said that he wanted to put me in a faster car, and that just happened to be his 42. And we had a great season last year, and we're off to a great start this year. And Hopefully we can keep that 42 up at the top of the scoring pile on. I'll tell you, your car is really nice. I, you know, I, I like that black and white paint scheme. I remember when you first brought it out, and I even told Ricky, I go, man, I go, that is that is really one really super nice paint scheme. I go, man, I go, it really pops on the track. It looks nice, you know, and it's something I've always been partial to, you know, to those colors. Um, so I think that, that was just really – 
I mean, it was kind of like the icing on the cake. And, and I knew I knew eventually that that was going to be a winning car and it was going to also be a winning number. Yeah, we, we love that car, and there's been a lot of effort sunk into it, um, a lot of hours, a lot of practice, both for myself and for Ricky, um, getting the setup right. And we got to test that this past Thursday, and we we – ran really, really well. We were really, really fast. Um, so, of course, we were bummed that we weren't able to race this past weekend, but I think that going into this weekend uh, with what looks to be a clear forecast, I think we'll be really fast um, thanks to just a ton of hard work from Ricky and Tom Landreth and Jason and Terry and everybody that helps on, on our cars. So, uh, out of so far, you know, out of everything you've been through, you know, with the you know racing with the legends, um, you know, you've you've been in a lot of heated battles, you know, um, you know, you bumped some people, people bumped you, you know, and um, what 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 would you say? I, I know as far as memorable, of course, it's always that first win, but what's the one thing that if somebody walked up to you and said, Nathan, you know what, I want to like. Somebody young kid walked up to you and said, I want to race these cars. What's the one piece of advice that you would give them? Um, I'd say just be, it's not going to come quick, and be, have perseverance, be strong, because it, it comes with time. And, man, we were so close to wins early last year. And that was a long time ago, and we waited a long time for our first win. But we knew that we were fast, and we knew that we were getting good. And I think that Orange Show was proof of that, and I think it will lead to a great season. So I think just really have perseverance is a big thing for getting into Legend Car. Well, that's, you know, that's really that's really good. Uh, I mean, you know, when you think about advice, it's really, you know, one of the best pieces of advice you can give. Um Unfortunately, you know, we're running out of time again. Uh, one of these days we're going to have to cut out some of the other stuff and have to share and um, make these interviews longer. Sometimes they're good longer, sometimes they get shorter. But you know what? The neat thing is, you know, we can always get you back on the show, you know, pick up where we left off or, you know, something new comes up. You know what? You know, well, I see you guys at the track all the time, you know, so we can always keep in contact. Um, is there any shout-outs you want to give this week, you know, sponsors, your team, you know, or just uh, anybody in general? I mean, again, just glory to God and uh, just huge thanks to Ricky Schlick, uh, Econoware, my whole family, um, the team that works on the race car that has become a second family, um, and all my other sponsors that have helped to push me to where I am today. And with that, Nathan, once again, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And hopefully this weekend, fingers crossed, this rain we're having Tuesday and Wednesday will blow over and it'll blow completely out of the atmosphere. And Saturday we'll have clear skies and be able to get back to the track and get our opening night in. And I'll be able to see you guys. And that'll be a lot of fun. It'll be awesome. And with that, me and Sharon, we want to uh, say um, – Best of luck, you know, the rest of the season, and I'm sure we'll get you back on again. Thank you again for having me. Okay, thanks again. Sharon? 
Yep, I'm here. Thanks uh, for being here, Nathan. We really appreciate it. And I know I didn't get to uh, participate this time, but uh, maybe next time I will. I know he just he just hung up, so um, <clears throat> we'll catch up with him uh, another time down the road here. Uh, but right now, Sal, that was a great interview, uh, but I do need to kind of get into uh, what happened here at the in the Cup Series race out at Las Vegas Motors, or not Las Vegas, but Phoenix Raceway uh, this past weekend. Make it two in a row for William Byron. He won the United Rentals Work United 500 on Sunday at age 25 in the number 24 Valvoline Chevrolet uh, for Hendrick Motorsports and with his crew chief, Rudy Fugel. It was his sixth victory in 184 Cup Series races, his second victory and second top ten finish this year, and the first victory and sixth top ten finish in 11 races at Phoenix Raceway. <clears throat> also, Ryan Blaney finished second, posting his tenth top ten finish in 15 races at Phoenix, and also his second top ten finish of this season. Uh, then it was Tyler Reddick uh, posting a third-place finish, for his second top ten finish in seven races at Phoenix. Ty Gibbs was the uh, highest finishing rookie of the race, and he finished in 28th place. Uh, it was another late caution uh, that helped Ry- William Byron get that back-to-back win. Uh, and Kyle Larson and Kevin Harvick hate those late race cautions, but William Byron, well, he loves them. After a two-tire call under the fourth caution flag on Sunday's race at Phoenix, Byron surged past his teammate Kyle Larson in overtime to win his second straight Cup Series race. <clears throat> Again, Blaney finished in second, followed by Ruddick, Larson, Harvick, Bell, Briscoe, Bush, Bowman, and Barry. Harvick was dominating late in the race. He was leading uh, the number five, uh, Kyle Larson, by five seconds with 10 laps left to run when the number 21 of Harrison Burton spun on the front stretch to bring out that caution. Everyone pitted, and Larson won the race off pit road with Byron in second. The caution came back out again. With two laps to go, forcing an overtime finish, Larson restarted as the leader but was passed by Byron, who pulled away to win by .3-tenths of a second. Stage one was run by William Byron, stage two by Kyle Larson. There were also 10 lead changes among six drivers, five cautions for 35 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 105.491 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the, the uh, William Byron's back-to-back win and the top ten finishers? Yeah, you know it's uh, you know it's a testament you know to the team, a testament to uh, Rudy Fugel who came actually he came from Cobbush Motorsports. He he, he was mm-hmm. he was uh, Noah Gregson's crew chief when when Noah was running the um, uh, when Noah was running with the uh, Cobbush Motorsports in the uh, truck series. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, you know, it's kind of neat, you know, see him. You know, he from there he meandered over to uh, to uh, Hendrick Motorsports, you know, to help out when um, when Chad Canales, you know, decided it was time to retire from you know from the sport. 
And, um, you know, he's done a heck of a job, you know, with uh, William Byron, you know, to get him, you know, those two wins, you know, the, you know, like you said, you know, the, the two-tire call. And, you know, and I know a, a lot of, a lot of people had pegged Larson or Harvick to win this race, you know, to mm-hmm. see um, a driver like William Byron go back to back just wasn't, wasn't in the, in the books, you know, but I know William Byron waiting. showed different. We're also waiting, Sal, to hear from NASCAR because they confiscated the Louvers. Louvers. Yes. If I can About say three that of their word. cars. From yeah, three of their cars, as well as Justin uh, Haley's car, also had uh, those yeah. taken. And uh, we're waiting to hear from NASCAR as to what is going to happen with that. Uh, NASCAR has made it real clear they don't want any tampering uh, with those Louvers. And uh, uh, obviously they still had the good car even with those uh, confiscated. But at the same time, I know NASCAR has been really uh, uh, steadfast in their number one rule is that no parts should be modified. So the fact that they confiscated them leads me to believe that there might be a penalty coming for Hendrick Motorsports this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a chance he could lose the win, you know, especially, you know, what when they said, not. you know, while well, we've seen it, you know, when they've had, you know, illegal body parts, mm-hmm. you know, but they confiscated it early, you know, and, and you know, so it, <laughs> It sounds like it, it, it might be a um, suspension of the, you know, the car, the crew chief, and possibly, you know, points taken away. Um, but like I said, it just depends on how NASCAR is going to handle it, you know, this year, you know, and say, hey, you know what, we're going to set a tone, you know, and say, you know what, <laughs> don't don't mess with the car, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and take the win away. But, you know, even if they take the win away, you know, he still, he still has a win from last week. Mm-hmm. You know the thing is, is that if they take the win away, they take all the, they take he loses a lot because I remember that last year when when uh, yeah they took away the points and and um, they took away the stage wins and and they I can't remember who it was, but I remember the, I remember they they lost they lost it was Brad lot. Keselowski yeah and um, basically knocked knocked him. A whirlwind right out of the, right out of the universe. But, yep. Um, you know it's it's good to see you know you know Josh you know um, you know Josh Berry come up you know from the you know from the uh, city series yeah. you know who's filling in for Chase Elliott you know to get to grab that top ten. You know yeah, Ryan Blaney cool. you know still yeah Ryan Blaney is still showing you know that he's the you know. He's still going to be he's going to be a strong contender this year, you know, for the you know for the Cup championship, and then you know Tyler Reddick in there, you know, you know getting mm-hmm. that third place finish. But um, you know, it's good to see you know Kevin Harvick, you know, having a uh, you know a, a stronger season than what he had last year. You know, you know, even though you know at the end of the season he had those wins, he started stacking up the wins late. Um, it would be nice to see Kevin Harvick, you know, kind of pick up a few wins, you know, in between, you know, and and really make a strong run for the for you know to get at least grab one more championship before he um, before his um, his tenure ends at NASCAR because he's getting inducted into the uh, West Coast Hall of Fame when mm-hmm. they go to Sonoma so yep. so Kevin Harvick will be joining you know Ron Horner Day and 
and a lot of the other, you know, stars from, from out here on the West Coast of the Hall of, in, in that Hall of Fame. So, and we already know that once Kevin Harvick retires, when he's eligible, you know, he, he will he will make it into the Hall of Fame, you know, with, with his championship, you know, and the, you know, the wins and, you know, everything that he's done, you know, throughout his um, racing career. Yes, indeed. Now, there was only one driver who had a fuel pump issue. That was B.J. McLeod. Uh, he ended up with that 36th place finish. Uh, Harrison Burton, of course, had that incident that brought out the caution. Uh, he ended up uh, about six or seven laps back as uh, Cody Ware, uh, Eric Almarola, Zane, Todd Gilliland, Zane Smith, Ty Dillon, uh, Noah Gregson, Ty Gibbs, Justin Haley, uh, Corey LaJoy, and Austin Sindrick all finished at least one lap down uh, when the race was over, but uh, uh, they were still running at the end of the race, only one driver out early. So that was good to know. And we mentioned earlier how close that margin of victory was, 0.330 seconds. Um, and their average race uh, speed was at 105.491. So uh, pretty cool uh, to see William Byron go back-to-back there. Let's go ahead and cover the points. Okay, then the points, as it stands right now, it's uh, Alex Bowman's leading the points. Uh, Kevin Harvick sitting in second. Ross Chastain is in third. William Byron with his two wins, already locked in, is sitting in fourth. Kyle Larson in fifth, Christopher Bell in sixth, and Danny Hamlin in seventh, then Ryan Blaney round off the top eight to take the sixteen into the uh into the playoffs. And then from there then we go ninth is Kyle Bush who's already locked himself in with his win at um and then uh tenth we go to Martin Truex Junior. Eleventh Daniel Suarez, twelfth is Joey Logano. 13th is Brad Keselowski, 14th is Chris Buescher, 15th is Ricky Stenhouse, who's also locked in with his win at the Daytona 500 champion. And then rounding out the top 16 is Bubba Wallace with um, Austin Sidrick right behind him. Okay. So, uh, yeah, 16 drivers go into the playoffs, and that's uh, the current top 16. Um Another thing that I was wondering about that I don't know if NASCAR is reviewing this or not, uh, but Denny Hamlin's pretty much come out on his podcast and said that he purposely uh, let go of the wheel and, and he said, if I'm going to go back, I'm taking Ross Chastain with me. So that feud seems to be still brewing. And uh, they ended up, uh, Hamlin took himself out too. He ended up 23rd. Ross Chastain finished 24th. Um, what's going on there? <laughs> you know what? I think I think NASCAR's going to – they did it last year to another driver, you know, that came on the radio, you know, and talked like that. You know what? Mm-hmm. I, I think that – I think that what's going to happen is Hamlin – you don't want to mess with Chastain. You know, Hamlin – Chastain is a, is a farmer, and farmers mm-hmm. are strong – not only strong, but farmers just have no, no, no brains, no sense, and Aww. and you're gonna. Well, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, when it comes to fighting, is what I'm saying. You know, they're they're just beasts. They're beast mode. Farmers are, 
You know, that's mm-hmm. what I mean. They have no sense. You know, they'll fight anybody. And 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 I and I think of Chastain. You're gonna you're gonna get mad, and, and you don't want to you don't want to mess you don't want to mess with Chastain because Chastain, you know what? <laughs> Handling your your toast. <laughs> I will put yeah. all the money in the world on them if I see them too, and and they're gonna fight. It's they're gonna, gonna end fight. Up Chastain that way. is now, not gonna fight. He says that they talked after the race. They had a a little powwow after the race, and they've yeah, come to they a no truth, powwow. supposedly. But uh, I, I thought that was unjustified. You know, he said uh, he he saw the guys on fresher tires coming up on him, and he just decided that uh, if he was going to go back, he was taking Chastain with him. He took his hands off the wheel and uh, took him out. <laughs> I just literally took him out of the race. Hamlin needs to remember he's not Bubba Wallace. He's not going to get away with it. Now, if it was Bubba Wallace, he would get away with it because no matter what Wallace does, NASCAR is not going to touch him. They're not going to do anything to him. But Hamlin needs to remember he is not Bubba Wallace, and and NASCAR will will find and do what they have to do to Hamlin to put a stop to it. So uh-huh. I think I think I think we're going to see something. Hopefully, we see something because it, you you can't keep letting Hamlin act that way, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, we're at the top of the hour. That's going to lead us into our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off segment uh, that's coming up here at the top of the hour. We've got a couple of our Fan for Racing crew members already here. Uh, But, Sal, thanks for giving us your take. And uh, I'm so glad that you were okay to be on the show here tonight and uh, really appreciate it. And we'll look forward to talking to you again next Monday night. Take care of yourself, okay? All right, thanks. Everybody have a good show. Have a good weekend. Have a good night. And we'll talk to you later. Good night. Bye. Okay, good night. All right, uh, it is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew. And joining us uh, so far here tonight I see uh, Jay Huseman on the show. Jay? Yeah, Sharon, I am, and uh, I just want to say as you wrapped up there with Sal, it was good to hear his voice. Uh, I know he's still got some things on his mind, but uh, certainly better than was before with his medical condition. So thank the Lord that he was here tonight to be with us. Yes, indeed. Um, and at the beginning of the show, he says, I'm thinking I maybe shouldn't have done this. And I said, I'll call Jay right now if we need to. But uh, he said, no, he was okay to go. So that was good. Um, Mike, I see Mike here. Hello, good evening. I feel like I missed Hot Topics because I call in, and you and Sal are already talking about one that I'm sure we're going to bring back (laughs) up again. Yeah, I always like to get his take on uh, one of the, one of the topics uh, before he leaves, uh, as kind of a transition from that segment of the show into our hot topics. But also joining to us tonight is Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, how's it going? Good to be back tonight. Okay, it's good to have you back as well, Andy. I'm going to let you bring up the first hot topic here tonight. Yeah, this one uh, kind of came out late this evening, I guess. But um, with regards to the last lap incident between Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain, uh, whether he was intending for it to be a joke or not, he pretty much, Denny Hamlin, came out and said that he intentionally wrecked Ross Chastain 
on the final lap because he was free falling through the field and felt like Ross should join him. <laughs> okay, Mike, your thoughts. I know you've already posted some of your thoughts on our team's page, but let's hear what you have to say. I do have a bit of a habit of letting that cat out of the bag sometimes, don't I? Uh, absolutely uncalled for. Completely uncalled for. Uh, Denny, Denny Hamlin has already paid Ross Chastain back several times for the incidents they had last year. Uh, I, don't, I, I should have actually copied and pasted it into, into the chat group, but I didn't. But somebody broke it down on Reddit the other day where Hamlin is actually up two or three on, on Ross in terms of intentional contact kind of incidents. Uh, so Denny Hamlin is in no position right now to say that he's paying Ross back for anything. If anything, Ross owes him one or two. Uh, I agree with Sal that don't mess with a farmer. Ross, Ross is going to get you. But then again, I don't know that Ross is the kind of guy who's going to seek somebody out and go get him. I wouldn't want to get in a fight with Ross, but at the same time, I think Ross might be the better man, and he might not intentionally go out and, and look for Denny Hamlin and make a bad day for him. It might happen if they're in a racing incident. It, it might be a deal like uh, the, the two of them had at Pocono where Denny didn't leave Ross enough room, kind of like uh, Chase Elliott did to the Denny Hamlin at Phoenix a few years prior, where they're both in control of the car, and he just kind of squeezes them into the fence. That's a racing deal. But Denny Hamlin straight up admitted to intentionally taking out Ross Chastain. I don't see how this isn't an incident exactly like a couple years ago where Bubba Wallace admitted that he intentionally spun to bring out a caution, and NASCAR said that they weren't going to penalize it until Bubba Wallace said he intentionally did it and therefore tied their hands. Remember in the offseason, NASCAR strengthened their rules about intentional contact and using your car as a weapon. And they did that in order to try and prevent some of the incidents that we had last year. I don't see how this isn't an instance where maybe if Denny hadn't said anything, they could say it was a racing incident and, and let it just kind of go you know, water under the bridge. But now that Denny Hamlin has come out and said, yeah, I did this on purpose, what are you going to do about it? NASCAR has to act. We talked before the season about how somebody's going to touch this hot stove to see how hot it is. And this is an instance where NASCAR absolutely has to act to enforce their new rules that they put in to make sure that everyone knows that they're not playing around with these new rules and they're going to enforce them. They kind of let one get away from them with the race manipulation issues before they finally came down on Stuart Haas Racing last year for manipulation. There had been several incidents before that kind of undermined the credibility of that rule, and I think NASCAR needs to get ahead of that and make sure that this rule that they put in over the offseason remains credible and remains something that drivers are going to think about to deter behavior like this. Yep. Okay, Jay. Well, hopefully the world doesn't go into a panic that's listening here because the world's not coming to an end. But not only am I going to agree with Mike, but it's like 150% side-by-side here, uh, along with Sal. Um, I mean, that was just blatant. I mean, clearly and obviously. I watched that race, and I hadn't seen exactly what happened. Hamlin was one of my drivers, actually. And I was like, whoa, what the heck happened? And I think, Sharon, you're the one that had Chastain, if I'm not mistaken. I did. I was so like, where did Chastain like, go? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, so it didn't surface until today, the videos of this. Um, and for him to have made that statement, I don't see how NASCAR cannot. Uh, the one thing I disagree with Sal there, though, he said Bubba Wallace would get away with it. Denny Hamlin can't. Yeah, I agree. Bubba Wallace has already been penalized for it and suspended with the uh, post-race stuff. Um, but he was the one that got in trouble at the clash for it. So 
I, I disagree with him there. I, I, I'm waiting to see if NASCAR does do something. Like Mike already said, he came out after and admitted it. He's putting it in NASCAR's hand saying, here's everything you want. Um, I don't see how they can't because, I mean, that was clearly an acknowledgement of it. Um, you know, and you could watch in the in-car cam. And I wondered if maybe I missed something during the race, if that's why it was. But as Mike said, Denny's uh, way ahead in the uh, older uh, number ahead as far as who caused what. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Hamlin said he pretty much took his hands off the wheel. He said he saw the, the other guys coming. They had the four tires on their car. They were coming up with on him, and he knew he was going to start sliding back. And he just decided that he was going to take Chastain with him. So he took his hands off the wheel and and took him out. So uh, I think that's a clear admission of guilt and uh, of uh, not a good intent. Uh, And full disclosure here, I've not been a fan of Denny Hamlin over the years. I think Denny Hamlin is a talented driver, but I also think he's his own worst enemy. He lacks an emotional intelligence uh, that could get a handle on that. It could make him a champion. But he self-sabotages every time, and it just baffles me. That he hasn't figured that out yet, but I I just think that uh, it was blatant. I I don't think Ross Chastain did anything to precipitate that. Uh, I think that Denny Hamlin is just jealous. I think he's jealous of Ross Chastain. Uh, he was leading the points, and I don't think Denny Hamlin liked it, and I don't think he liked it one little bit. And so when he had an opportunity to take him out and. Uh, help him lose a few positions, I think he did it. Uh, granted, I, you're right, I did pick Ross Chastain for that race. And I know he'd been running up in that top five, top ten for most of the race. And when I, when at the end of the race I looked at the top ten, I said, what happened to Ross Chastain? And, and when I looked at it, at that point they said he was 28th place. Now they're saying he finished in 24th. But what the stupidity, and I shouldn't say that, I don't like using that word, but the craziness of this whole thing is that with Denny Hamlin doing that, he took himself out as well. Denny Hamlin just finished one position better than Ross Chastain. So what was the point? There was no point to doing that other than he he wanted to get to do something to Ross Chastain. And uh, I'm not an advocate of that in any way, shape, or form. And I hope NASCAR heard his podcast and everything that he said about it. Uh, He talks about his mama taught him not to lie. Well, um, I'm not advocating lying either, but I do think that you've got to be smart about what you're doing when you're on the racetrack and using your car uh, by taking your hands off the wheel and deliberately taking yourself and the other guy out of the race uh, should not be acceptable to anyone. Uh, and I, I hope that NASCAR does do something about that. Uh, I'll be highly disappointed if they don't. Uh, Andy, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, you know, Sharon, you took the words out of my mouth, really. Um, But just to kind of reiterate what all three of you have said, you know, Denny Hamlin 
isn't a champion because of stuff like this. I mean, he has the talent to be one, but, you know, his continued antics year after year, um, you know, and this being the latest example is why he is never going to be a champion in the sport because he lacks the, the discipline to remove himself from situations like this. Let's face it, Ross Chastain is in his head. And you know, continues to be after their run-ins the last couple of seasons. And if Denny was smart enough to focus on himself and his own race team and focus on trying to win races, you know, they would be in a much better position. So, you know, instead of – and this is is what boggles my mind. You know, he was probably going to run 14th or 15th or whatever – Instead, he made a bonehead move and finished nine spots worse, and who knows if that nine points is going to mean something later in the season. So, again, this is just really dumb on his part, you know, and he does it over and over again, and this is just the latest example of why he'll never be a champion. So, um, yeah, I just if he focused on his own race team and he focused on himself, he'd be, I think, he'd have even more success than he's already had. And I'm not trying to knock him as a driver. I mean, his his statistics speak for themselves. He's a three-time Daytona 500 winner. You know, he's always in the running, you know, to make the playoffs and consistently wins races. But, you know, this is the difference between, you know, the have the have and have not and as far as champions go. And in my mind, he's a, he's a, he's a nobody, and, you know, as far as, as far as being a champion, because he just he can't do it. He mentally does not have the capacity to do it, and it's because of things like this. Mike, your follow-up? You know, Jay actually inserted another thing in there. He, he already agreed with me 150%, and then he inserted <laughs> another point in there I'm going to have to agree with him on, with our disagreement with Sal regarding Bubba Wallace. Uh, Remember, Bubba Wallace spent a weekend on the couch after intentionally wrecking Kyle Larson at Las Vegas last year. And the important point to take away from that is NASCAR made it very clear that that penalty, the suspension, the fine, and all that, was a result of his actions on the racetrack, not what he did once they got out of the car, all the extracurricular activity that took place in the infield. The, the, the penalty was exclusively because of his actions on the racetrack which further gives evidence that this is a situation where NASCAR should act because, yes, he didn't right rear Ross Chastain into the wall, but it's another instance where a driver intentionally uses his car to take out another competitor who he feels has wronged him at some point. Absolutely unacceptable, like I said in my first reply, and I stand by that. I really hope NASCAR acts on this one. Hopefully on Thursday we're talking about a a penalty report for the 11. Okay, Jay. So Mike used mine and Sal's words. I'm going to use Sharon's and Andy's. There's a reason Denny Hamlin's not a champion. And, and I know we've talked about this a couple of times, that the, that's the reason, the mental capacity and the focus he has. And I think this was a very specific targeted thing, going back to him saying he let, took his hands off the wheel, trying to make the point that when Ross Chastain did his move at Martinsville, which took Denny Hamlin out of the playoffs, by the way, that Mm -hmm. Chastain had let go of the wheel. So I think he was mocking him and making that point there. But with that, Chastain, I know he's had run-ins with several different drivers, Denny Hamlin being one of them. It is a matter of there's a car in front of me. I'm going to take it and get that position. Hamlin basically backed up to get somebody behind him. 
you know, there's a difference between aggressive and trying to move forward versus targeting somebody and going backwards. Hamlin or uh, Chastain doesn't go out and look, oh, I got, I found this car, I'm going to hit him. No, I'm hitting the guy in front of me, whoever it is. But he also then, generally speaking, and I think Mike alluded to this, when he gets hit from behind by a faster car or somebody, you don't see him out there throwing punches. And I don't think you want to. I, I, I'd have to agree with that. When it comes to farm boys, yeah, they got some bulk on them. So uh, I don't know if that's who you want to be messing with. But like I said, Ross isn't going out there targeting somebody. He's targeting whoever's in front of him, stopping him from winning that race. <laughs> yeah, there's a huge difference. But I agree with you, Jay. I think that he intentionally took his hands off the wheel and intentionally said that on his radio show uh, to challenge NASCAR. Ross Chastain took his hands off the wheel at Martinsville, but there is a huge difference between what Ross Chastain did and what Denny Hamlin did. Denny Hamlin did it uh, to, to purposely get into Ross Chastain, when Ross Chastain did it, he didn't hurt anybody. Nobody got taken out of that race because of what Ross Chastain did. Um, other than Denny Hamlin lost the position, his car did not get taken out of the race. He lost the position to Ross Chastain, uh, and that's what took him out of the playoffs. And I think it's a mock. I think it's absolutely a mock. Uh, you took the words right out of my my mouth uh, because that's exactly what I was thinking when he said he took his hands off the wheel. Uh, he's challenging NASCAR uh, because they didn't do anything to Ross Chastain when he took his hands off the wheel at Martinsville that took him out of the playoffs. Uh, but this is this is a much different situation, I think. And it's going to, I hope it ends up uh, giving him a little bite on the rump because uh, he he had no business doing that whatsoever. And to to admit it on the radio show on his own podcast, um, uh, it just goes back to what we've been saying about why he's not a champion. So, but I was going to add that part about uh, him him uh, making a mockery of what uh, Ross Chastain did. I think it was very targeted. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that, you know, NASCAR has made it clear, you know, in in the last year or so, and we've got the example just last fall with Bubba Wallace at um, Las Vegas. If, if, if it's blatant that you've wrecked somebody or done something intentionally, then there should be a penalty. So, um, in light of the fact that he, you know, wasn't smart enough to keep his mouth quiet. That's the other thing, too, is <laughs> Dirty Mo Media gave him his own podcast, which is one of the silliest things you could possibly do because nobody likes to hear Denny Hamlin talk more than Denny Hamlin. So, you know, <laughs> you know, they, you put him in front of a microphone and he, he says something, you know, silly in which he admits guilt, you know, that, that could be a downfall for sure. But... I guess the point I'm trying to make is there should be some kind of a penalty for this. And like I said from the onset, I don't know if he was trying to joke about it or not, but, you know, he, he, whether it was joking or not, he he admitted that he wrecked Ross Chastain. And I think since it was deemed intentional, you know, I, I think there needs to be some kind of a penalty for that for sure. I mean, you just, you can't do stuff like that and, and expect it. You know you're going to get away with it, and if you do, 
decide to wreck somebody intentionally, don't admit it on a podcast. That's one of the dumbest things you can do. So I, I think in light of the fact that he, he came out and admitted it, there needs to be there needs to be some kind of, of penalty for that. I, th- I think, you know, just as a disclaimer here, I think we all feel that uh, Denny Hamlin is a very talented race car driver. I think that sometimes he has some very valuable input. Uh, but when he does things like that, it, it just is, it takes away from all of that. So um, it, it's not a slam on Denny Hamlin other than, uh, what he has done and and what he has said, uh, we are responding to that, and uh, we know that he's a talented driver. So, Mike, I'm going to go to you next for our next hot topic. Well, Jay and I agreed way too much on the previous topic, so I'm going to bring up something that I'm sure we're going to have some disagreement on. What everybody think about that Phoenix race with the new Aero package? Okay, so Jay, you're first up. What did you think? Well, this is one where where I've always been of. I watch the race. I enjoy the race. I, you know, if one driver dominates, it's not my favorite race in the world. But I don't get into critiquing it. I really feel like some fans specifically watch a race just to find issues, whether it be with the racing or the broadcast or the telegraphics or the the announcers, whatever. I enjoy watching the race. And we heard some of the drivers, I know there were some that said there was definitely a different feel, but that said they really, if you hadn't told them there was a different rules package, they really didn't feel it or understand it. Um, Now, I'm sure there was to some degree, and the crew chiefs handled it, or the the engineers handled it and took care of it. But overall, if you weren't told there was a different package, I don't think you can visually with the eye really see that. Uh, We had some great action at the end, uh, you know, through a caution and a setup for a final restart. I don't know that that was due to the package. The racing throughout the race, uh, which is what a lot of people want to talk about. Keep in mind, you're watching a television coverage. They can't cover the entire field. You know, yeah, they try and highlight certain things, certain battles. But when you look at the statistics, as Sharon and I do on our preview show, when it talks about green flag passes, green flag passes for the lead. Now there, I know that Phoenix did not have as many. However, there was a very important one. Uh, That was my first thought people were going to complain about. Larson out front dominates. Uh, William Byron out front dominates. Kevin Harvick passed Larson for the lead on the track. So it can happen. You know, if if, if being out front is that important, instead of crying about it, Set your car up and drive it so you pass to get out front like Kevin Harvick did. Um, but overall, I thought it was a good race. Uh, you know, like I said, I understand there's stretches where it appears you get out front and somebody dominates. It happens. You know, you're not going to have that side-by-side battle for every position, every lap, you know, for a 400, 300, 400, 500 lap race. Uh, you, you're just not ever going to get that. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? I'm not sure it's an aero package issue as much as it's a Phoenix Raceway issue. I, I feel like the race that we saw Sunday was the same type of racing that we've seen there for several years. Um, it's just the design of the track, I feel like, and, and just the way that it races that lends itself to making it difficult to, fa- to pass. Um, it's kind of a common theme for flat short tracks in general and has been 
a bit of a common theme with this new race car since it came out last year on these types of tracks. I am a big fan of low downforce, um, you know, and in the higher horsepower, the 670 versus the old 550 we used to have. I think that puts it more in the driver's hands, um, but it definitely didn't fix the problem of of more passing. You know, I, to me, it looked like a normal Phoenix Cup race, and I mean, I didn't think it was terrible. I mean, I, you know, it was it was an uneventful race for sure, no question there. Um, but I didn't, I didn't, I don't know that it was a terrible race by any means. Um, but it definitely, it definitely fits the bill of, of typical Phoenix, I think. And, uh, I'm not sure what it's going to take to, to make Phoenix some extravagant, exciting race, but, you know, I, I don't know that I minded it. I'm a fan of this package. I think that it, um, may improve some of the racing at other tracks throughout the year. Like I said, I'm in favor of lower downforce. I think that it, it, it's, in theory, supposed to make the cars more difficult to drive, which puts it more in the driver's hands. And I'm hopeful that even though maybe it didn't produce, you know, the, the best racing at Phoenix, that maybe it'll be more beneficial at a place like Martinsville or Richmond or someplace like that. So um, <clears throat> I'm not ready to knock it yet because we've only seen it one time. I, I'm hopeful that, that this will improve racing elsewhere as the season goes on. Yeah, I'm with you, Andy. I really think we've got to give it more than one race uh, to really give a valid opinion on it. But um, and and we will see it at more than one race. We've got some other races coming up here, uh, but I don't know that Phoenix is the best place for us to make that judgment. I know they tested this package out at Phoenix. Uh, Kazlowski, who was one of the guys that tested it, he actually lost three positions. Uh, but there are are several drivers who actually gained quite a few positions, um, and, and Harvick was one of them. Harvick gained uh, 14 spots uh, with this package. Bell gained two. Uh, Reddick gained seven. Blaney gained 21 spots, uh, and Briscoe gained 16 spots. Uh, there are also those drivers that lost spots. Uh, Larson lost a spot. Uh, Byron, uh, this was with 11 laps to go, let me just mention here. Uh, with 11 laps to go, this is where these drivers stood. Uh, Byron was one spot back. We know he gained those spots back and won the race. Uh, let's see, Keselowski was three spots back. Uh, Hamlin was seven spots back. He actually lost a lot more than that, as did Chastain, who was four spots back with 11 laps to go. So uh, I, I do think it was very similar to all the other races that we've seen at Phoenix. One of the things that Phoenix has that a lot of the tracks um, don't have, or a few, only a few of the tracks have, is their ability to go down on the apron. And I think that's kind of exciting to watch when everybody go, goes down on the apron and you're, you're several cars wide and you're wondering who's going to come out of this one, uh, you know, uh, and prevail. Uh, to me, that's about the only exciting thing uh, that really happens at Phoenix anyway. But that's not just this year. That's every year. So 
uh, I really think that we've got to give it a little more time before we we make our final judgment on it. Uh, it seems like the drivers were all for the direction that NASCAR was heading with this package. Uh, so I, I'd be more interested to know what they thought of the package after racing at Phoenix. Uh, but I, I suspect that they're going to kind of feel the same way, that they're going to want to uh, see how it does at some of these other tracks before they make uh, a final determination. But, Mike, I'm real curious to hear what you You know, I'm not sure how this always keeps lining up, but take a look at the time. Oh, it does. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Um, we are at that time of the night once again, and it is time for me to make an announcement to our first-time listeners in particular. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And what that means is that you're going to hear us go off the air while we're still mid-sentence about our hot topics here. Uh, just know that we are going to continue to record that part of the conversation. You won't be able to hear it on air, but we are recording the conversation, and it will be a part of our uh, podcast as bonus overtime material. So I go out on Twitter and Facebook to let you know that the podcast is available, and then at that point you can fast forward to the two-hour mark on the Fan for Racing player at fanforracing.com, and that's where you can hear the rest of the conversation. Again, no surprises for anybody when we go off the air mid-sentence. We just want uh, everybody to be prepared to know what they can do to hear the rest of the conversation when that happens. So with that, Mike, I'm still curious to know what your thoughts are. All right. So NASCAR had two stated goals when they developed this new era package. This is what they publicly said they wanted. They wanted to improve passing and they wanted to improve the quote-unquote racing product. So the passing is a lot easier to objectively analyze. And I know, Sharon, you were looking at the graphic that I shared in our chat group there. That's a screenshot of what the running order was right before that Harrison-Burton caution came out. They were at the end of a long green flag run, excuse me, after a series of long green flag runs. And this was more or less the running order that had been pretty static for quite a long time. And if you look at that, seven of the top ten are drivers who started in the top ten. Five of those seven were within plus or minus five positions of where they started. Now, you did highlight there were a few big movers. Kevin Harvick, Chase Briscoe were probably the most notable. Tyler Reddick was another one who was able to move a lot. But by and large, drivers tended to run where they started or where they ended up to be able to get after a restart. And that leads to the other thing. Jay talked about green flag passes for the lead. There was one, the entire race, one green flag pass for the lead that wasn't associated with either pit stops or a restart. Within three laps of the restart, there was zero green flag passes with the exception of Kevin Harvick catching a pass in Kyle Larson. That's a concern of mine. Uh, as far as was it a good race, it's a, it's, that's more difficult to quantify, but Jeff Gluck gives us probably about the best data that we can get. The poll is still open. There's about 10 hours worth of voting left, but he's got about 20 1,400 something votes and it's about 45 to 55 no it was not a good race so 55 percent of viewers who voted in Jeff Gluck's poll voted no this was not a good race compare that to the spring race at Phoenix where it was it received a 70 percent yes it was a good race so at least in terms of the result of the poll we've seen a dramatic shift in respondents who voted on that poll now interestingly enough 
all but five races last year in the 2023 season, all but five races were 50% or better. Yes, Phoenix was one of them at 70%, but that Phoenix race was in the bottom third or so of his responses. The fall Phoenix race where Joey Logano ended up winning the championship only got a 30% yes. However, as Jay likes to criticize with this poll, I'm not really wanting to to put too much stock in that end-of-season Phoenix race result because that may have been skewed by people who either didn't like Joey Logano winning or didn't like the Chase Elliott didn't win. So that may or may not be an accurate representation there. So objectively, was it a good race? I voted no in the poll. There were some good moments to it, but overall I didn't enjoy the race. With that said, I do agree with you guys. I don't think it's time to run straight back to the drawing board with this new aerodynamics package. This was one race, and Phoenix, like Andy said, does have some struggles. However, the next race at Martinsville coming up uh, in two more weeks, we've got Atlanta, then Coda, and then I believe Martinsville is immediately after that. Uh, that's going to be the next time that we see this, this, tra- this package on an oval track. It will be used to circuit the Americas, but that's going to be a little bit of a different animal. Um, so... The next time it's on a short track is going to be, I believe, at Martinsville coming up here. And that's going to be our next time that we see this and get another look and see whether it improved the product. That spring Martinsville race last year was not good. But it also had issues with weather. It was extremely cold. And this was a a different aerodynamics package than what we're going to see. So if we get some good weather, uh, it should hopefully give us a better look to see if this racing package improved the overall racing product on the track. Okay, Jay, your follow-up. Yeah, I think the key point there is is you don't you don't a knee-jerk reaction and change the package already. Uh, we all agree on that. Uh, it's going to take some time. The counter to that though is good cars and good teams qualify fast. They run fast. They stay up front. I mean, that's the point. When you got teams that, and we've talked about Stuart Haas Racing. Um, being one that maybe struggled. They worked on their car, they improved it, they ran their race, and they got up there and mixed it up. Uh, you know, barring that caution, I think Kevin Harvick's the one we're talking about as far as the winner. So that's what racing is. There are streaks to it right now. We talked about this last week. Does the other manufacturers, Toyota and uh, Ford, need to hit the panic button with three, four races into the season? Okay, so no, not yet. There is some concern there, as I found out more statistics with how many stage wins Chevy has won, as well as the races. But again, this one came down to a Ford bringing out a caution, and then the Ford losing the race lead, and a Chevy getting the win. So, who knows? Uh, Give it time. Uh, NASCAR is working on it. They see that they can improve the product, and they're working on it. And from what I heard from the drivers that, yeah, it is putting it back in their hands. Was this one a, where everybody was on the very edge of losing control and can't handle their car? No. And there's certain drivers that are going to capitalize on that, and I think it lends itself more towards your dirt track or other racers such as Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, William Byron. We've talked about that, William Byron, running other classes like the late models. So I think that will play into certain drivers' hands, Brad Keselowski being another one. Um, just look at his team mentioned he dropped a few positions in the running order. However, how he's run there since he came to Roush Fenway and specifically at Phoenix, huge improvement. Him and Chris Busher both were running in the top 10 majority of the race. So, uh, I take that as a good sign. Um, again, do we get the side by side, everybody battling for position on every lap? No, you're not going to see that very often, even on short tracks. The last thing I want to say, and, yeah, Mike and I definitely disagree on this. 
the Jeff Gluck poll. I like that he puts it up there. You get a reaction. It's what he's on social media to do. However, because some of those no votes of it, it wasn't a good race could be from football fans who don't even like racing. So, yeah, they're going to say no just to try and tear NASCAR down because they want more football. So you never know. Okay, Andy, your thoughts. Yeah, I'm just hopeful that, um, you know, this, this lower downforce package does bear some fruit moving forward. Um, I honestly think it's a good change when you look at the type of racing that we did see last season. So, um, you know, like like I said earlier, Phoenix is Phoenix. I feel like that's just the way that track races. I'm not sure what it would take to make that race more exciting, but I I do think this package does have the potential to make other tracks more exciting, and uh, we'll get to see that in the coming weeks. Uh, we've got Richmond coming up. I think Martinsville's up there in the next month or so. So there's other examples coming up, you know, and maybe after a couple, three of these events, we can kind of sit back and take a look at it and see whether or not it made any any difference or not. But, um, you know, we'll give it some time, but I am optimistic that this was a good change that NASCAR made moving forward. Yeah, I know a lot of the drivers were looking forward to it too. I I think that – that one thing that we have to keep in mind is this was the debut of that package. So some drivers are probably going to adapt to it a lot more quickly, like a Harvick or a uh, Chase Briscoe, obviously. Uh, those were the biggest gainers uh, at that race, uh, and and they adapted very quickly to that uh, change. But other drivers might struggle with it until for a little while before they kind of feel comfortable with it, with exactly what they can and cannot do with that package. So, I, I again, I just think that we can't really judge a lot yet off of that one race and the debut race at that. I think we need to give the time, drivers the time to make their adjustments to it and uh, to get better and I hope that they do come back in the fall and put on a good show at Phoenix. Um, I I do like that track, but for some reason, some drivers just really, really struggle. It's one of those tracks that the drivers either love it or they hate it. And uh, obviously, Kevin Harvick is one of those guys that love that track. So... Um, We'll just have to kind of wait and see what happens as uh, they continue to test this out or, uh, you know, to play it out and uh, see how everybody adapts uh, moving forward after they've had a few runs under that new package. Um, so, but I, I, on the debut race, I think we got to give them a little bit of grace here. And, uh, Mike, I'll give you the final word. Well, like you guys said, this was a sample size of one here with this new aerodynamics package, so it's definitely not time to move and, and make any changes. I will say, as much as I was critical of the quality of this Phoenix race, and I stand by everything I said regarding whether I thought it was a good race or not, I will applaud NASCAR for being willing to make changes to the Gen 7 car. Remember back two years ago when this car was in development, NASCAR was saying, no way, no how, we are going to make a fixed setup for this car, and you're going to have a, maybe a speedway package, 
and maybe a road course package, and that's it. We're racing the same thing everywhere else we go. So I really do applaud NASCAR for being willing to listen to feedback from the fans and the drivers and be willing to make changes, even if those changes didn't necessarily work out. But like you said, Phoenix is a bit of an odd duck. Some drivers take to it really well, like Kevin Harvick, but it took Jeff Gordon 75 wins before he finally won one at Phoenix. His 76th win was at Phoenix for, was for the first time he ever won at that racetrack. It's a bit of an odd duck because it's a one-mile track, so it's sort of a short track, but it kind of races more like an inter- intermediate, and it's, it's almost like it's stuck in the middle, and it, ne- it is affected negatively because of that. The intermediate package doesn't work very well at Phoenix, but the short track package might not work very well either. Do I think they need to develop a specific Phoenix package? No, I don't think they need to go that far. I'm not sure what they could do to improve the racing at Phoenix. I'm not an engineer. I don't work on these cars, so I don't have a solution to present. Hey, change this, change that, and we're going to fix Phoenix. I don't know how to do that. But I'm glad that NASCAR looked at the problem and attempted a solution. Hopefully they look at the problem again and maybe they can find another solution to make the fall race better. And I'm sure feedback from the drivers will help, and I I think they've learned that lesson as well. Okay, Jay, your uh, thoughts for our next hot topic. Well, Mike talked about Jeff Gordon, and Jeff Gordon has some concerns uh, when it comes to HMS and a possible penalty. And now not being a mechanic, when I first read this, and then, uh, I mean, I'd heard about it, but I read it as that there was a problem with lovers. I don't know why, why NASCAR had a problem with lovers. Apparently it's pronounced louvers. So there is a parts issue that they confiscated from Hendrick Motorsports as well as Justin Haley. I noticed that one from College Racing keeps getting overlooked. But it's the air vent in the hood. Um, and there's some articles out there, some information out there on it that maybe this was already discussed as being a problem. But they did confiscate those parts from Hendrick Motorsports and we're looking at possible penalties. Okay. Andy, you're first up on this one. Yeah, it's interesting to see this. Um, I will start by saying that I don't think whatever they found had any effect on performance. Um, Hendrick cars were still very fast on Sunday, one of them going to victory lane. So I don't think we can – sit here and say that, you know, whatever they found was some kind of a big advantage. But they found something that they didn't like, obviously, or at least requires further inspection. NASCAR didn't come out and say that there was a blatant issue with these, um, we'll just call them hood vents or whatever, but um, they didn't really say there was an issue. They simply confiscated them for further evaluation. Um, And, you know, they haven't really commented further on that. So whether or not they were... Uh, modified or not remains to be seen something we'll hopefully find out this week um but the precedent's been set in the past we can look back to last year with the number six of Kozlowski and the 34 of McDowell that were caught modifying parts and the uh the penalty was 100 points and I forget if there was a financial penalty involved there probably was but um it'll be steep you know and, and this pertains possibly to all four teams um, you know, they've made it very clear, NASCAR has, that any manipulation of, uh, you know, um, vendor-supplied parts is, is prohibited. And, um, you know, we've we've seen examples where, you know, maybe they came from the vendor that way. Who knows? Um, you know, but 
I guess we'll see what happens, but, you know, the precedent's been set. If it was found that the parts weren't quite right, then the penalty will be warranted, and they'll be able to just move on from that. But, again, I don't think it had any effect on the race. I think HMS cars were still really good. I think all four of them ran top ten. So, obviously, um, you know, from a performance perspective, it it didn't really mean anything at all. And, um, yeah, you know, with regards to Haley having his – uh, confiscated as well. It leads me to think that, you know, maybe it wasn't as much an organizational thing, but maybe it was a, it was a, a Chevrolet thing to who, whoever provides the, the parts to the Chevy teams, or maybe it's whoever provides the parts to all of the teams. I don't know to be honest, but it could be a batch of the, the hood vents for the Chevrolets were were bad. So it might be just an honest mistake from the vendor, which is you know kind of. I've I've always felt like it's kind of problematic that the teams don't have more ability to control their own stuff. They're really at the mercy of stuff that's provided to them. But that's the nature of of 2023, and those are the rules that have been set forth as far as uh, the Cup Series cars are concerned. So um, I guess, you know, maybe, you know, more work needs to be done. But, again, it's hard for me to really comment too much on this because we don't even really know if there's an issue or not. So uh, we'll wait and see. Okay. Yeah, I I kind of um, am thinking, you know, after hearing what Jeff Gordon had to say in the media interview after the race, uh, I think he was saying he felt like there was a miscommunication that took place. Uh, but I don't know if that's just kind of uh, a self-defense leading up to the penalties or, or what's going on with that. Uh, I'm not privy to all of the details, but here's here's the thing. NASCAR last year, when they said that there were a problem with the lug nuts, uh, said if you get faulty equipment from the vendor, it's up to you to give that feedback back to the vendor and to make sure that it is not used when you uh, race the car. So... People, what these teams were doing is they had people looking at all the lug nuts to pull out all the bad ones uh, before the race started. Um, I've got a feeling it's going to be the same thing with this. If it is a vendor issue, I I think it's still the race team's responsibility to go back to that vendor and say, this is a faulty piece, we can't use this, and insist that they get the corrected piece uh, back from the vendor. So uh, I don't know if there was a timing issue on this one or what the exact specifics are, but I, I'm just going back to what NASCAR's uh, position was when they talked about the lug nuts. So um, it is going to be interesting to see uh, how they respond to this because, Andy, you're right, it didn't really seemed like it affected the cars. They still performed very well on the track, um, but NASCAR uh, seemed to be particularly vigilant at looking at those vents uh, this week when they were doing their inspections. So that kind of leads me to believe that somebody reported that they noticed it some kind of a discrepancy that they wanted NASCAR to look out for. As we know, the drivers are looking for those kinds of things um, uh, through the race and and the garage and everything else, and they do tell on each other. So uh, I 
I, I can't wait to hear the rest of the story on this one and to see how NASCAR responds to it because, uh, that, as you guys have mentioned, there has been a precedent already set uh, from last year, a 100-point penalty, 100K fine imposed on RFK and uh, Front Row Motorsports for modifying a single-source Gen 7 part, and that's exactly what this is. So we'll see how NASCAR responds. I, I'm really looking forward to the NASCAR response this week because I think there's multiple things for them to address, and uh, we'll see what they have to say. Jay? I, I think I'm going to Mike first. Oh, did I skip Mike? Okay, I'm sorry, Mike. Yeah, we don't want to skip Mike. We don't want to skip Mike. I'm no. sorry, I skipped no. you. I apologize. Uh, Mike, you know, I was going to be so nice to Jay. I was going to say that I'm usually the technical guy who has to explain what parts are and what they do and, and whatnot. So I appreciate Jay taking care of that before I, before I got into it. Anyway, with regard to the Louvers for Hendrick Motorsports, we, there's a lot we don't know. Obviously, the facts of the case so far, we know that between practice and qualifying on Friday – NASCAR did confiscate the hood louvers from all 400 motorsports cars as well as Justin Bailey's car. Other than that, there's been no official word from NASCAR about the situation. There were some comments that Sharon referenced from Jeff Gordon with uh, regard to the situation after the race on Sunday, but there's been no official word one way or the other. We'll probably find out tomorrow or Wednesday what the determination on that is. Now, if you're a 100 motorsports fan, you're saying, oh, this is just like Team Penske back at Daytona last year. Remember, Team Penske had all their wheels confiscated by NASCAR prior to the Daytona 500 last year because they found that Team Penske had made uh, modifications to the wheels on the car. Those wheels are a single-source Gen 7 part. They are not allowed to be tampered with. However, Team Penske's position was we communicated this to NASCAR. We, this is the reason that we did it. And it sounds like NASCAR either they, they had approved it or at least they found the explanation sufficient enough because Team Penske was not penalized after the Daytona 500, at, even though they had modified Gen 7 parts and had those parts confiscated at the racetrack. On the other hand, like you mentioned, there's RFK and Front Row Motorsports who are both penalized for modifying uh, body parts on the car. So if you're not a Hendrick Motorsports fan, you're saying, man, it's just like – just like RFK when they were cheating up the car last year. Well, maybe, maybe not. That's all we got to wait to see what this is going to actually be determined to be, and we'll probably talk about it again on Thursday. As far as whether it affected performance or not on the racetrack, obviously not. All 400 motorsports cars in the top 10, including one in victory lane. But we all know that performance doesn't mean one way or the other with regard to whether you're in compliance with the rules. If you cheat up the car and you get caught, you're going to get penalized for it whether you finish first, last, or anywhere in between. Look at RFK. They were running in the mid-20s or so when they got caught with the, the modified body panels. So just because they weren't running well doesn't alleviate them from getting penalized. And if you're winning and they, change, they take away your part and you're still winning, that still doesn't matter. If you were outside of the rules, you were outside of the rules. So I'm going to kind of wait and see on this. Uh, it's no secret I'm a Hendrick Motorsports fan, so my personal bias is that I really hope it is kind of a Team Penske situation. 
But if not, it could be a pretty big hole for Hendrick Motorsports to dig themselves out of, especially Chase Elliott if the 19 is penalized 100 points. Well, that's 100 owner points that Chase Elliott's going to have to make up. In addition to if they impose any playoff points, which is NASCAR's discretion, they can penalize playoff points. They didn't last year uh, on the penalties on the 6 and 34. However, the rule book does allow for it. So it could be a pretty an even deeper hole for Chase Elliott to dig himself out of when he comes back from injury. Okay, now it's Jay's turn. I'm sorry, Mike. It's it's okay, Sharon. We occasionally skip somebody. Some some people don't let uh, even the boss have a uh, race picks, uh, fantasy race picks, too once in a while. So I understand that that, that slip up. Um, th- this is one where I got to agree with Mike but disagree with him. I do think it compares to the Penske situation. And Sharon had a different take on Jeff Gordon's. Uh, comments when he said there was miscommunication i i took it to be with nascar that they took it to him and said hey this isn't working this is what we're having to do to get these things to fit and work and as with happened with team penske i believe nascar didn't say no you can't do it but they didn't say yes you can and they went ahead and did it and so nascar said well we never told you you couldn't so they had to let it go and actually then implemented that across the board for all of the teams to do um, at this point, that was kind of my thought of where this was going to go. However, Larry McReynolds kind of had a different take on Race Hub, and this is where I have to disagree with Mike. It actually will benefit Chase Elliott when he comes back. Yes, he would have to make up the owner points, but if they take driver points, that's going to put those drivers way back, whereas Chase Elliott doesn't have to make up those driver points, that, that hole that's created by the driver points it might actually put them back about level depending on how many races uh, Chase Elliott misses. Um, But so that it's actually an advantage because he's not taking the hit as far as driver points. But Mike is right. Owner points would put the number nine in a, in a hole, but driver wise, it would actually help Chase Elliott because it would bring some drivers back towards him. Okay. Andy, your follow up. Yeah. I think the big thing from this is, um, you know, NASCAR hasn't even said if there's an issue with them. They just want to look at them. So I'll be curious to see what they say. I guess this is probably a topic to revisit on Thursday, uh, provided that uh, NASCAR does actually inspect the uh, louvers and come out with some kind of a statement this week. So um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I tend to think that it was just some manufacturing mistake, if it was one at all, but um, since we don't even really know why they confiscated them, then uh, I guess we'll just have to probably talk about this Thursday if there's any more news that comes out. Okay, Mike. Sorry, I was, I was expecting you to, to go there. I didn't have my mute button ready I to know. go. I know. Uh, I went out of turn last time. <laughs> oh, no problem. Well, in addition to usually being the tech guy, I'm also usually the social media guy. So either direction this goes, I know what the reaction is going to be. If Hendrick Motorsports gets penalized, it's going to be a nonstop wave of, oh, I told you Hendrick Motorsports was cheating. They finally caught him. And then, if not, it's going to be the the people crying about, oh, NASCAR favors Hendrick Motorsports. They can get away with anything. So NASCAR, they're not going to win in this situation, at least not with Twitter. But then again, winning with Twitter isn't exactly a big win to begin with. So I really doubt they're going to take that into consideration. Other than that, for everyone else, it's wait and see. We'll probably know something by the Thursday show, so I guess we'll talk about it then. 
Yeah, I, I think that's kind of where everybody's kind of headed on this is is we've got to see what NASCAR is, what their takeaway is from uh, inspecting those louvers and and uh, how they want to proceed. Uh, if it is a miscommunication with Jeff Gordon, uh, and not hearing back from NASCAR and taking that as an, okay, we're going to go ahead and do this kind of thing, uh, you would think they would have learned uh, the opposite, that NASCAR would have covered their butts on that. But I, I, um, uh, I don't know what happened. So, again, I'm just kind of speculating here. Uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, what they have to say. Hopefully tomorrow. It could be as late as Wednesday, but I'm hoping we hear something by tomorrow on uh, what their thoughts are and how they want to proceed from here. Jay, any any final comments here? Yeah, I, I know we're talking about, obviously we'll, we'll talk about it on Thursday. Normally a penalty report does come out on Tuesday, if not Wednesday. But with that, as Mike kind of alluded to, I think it's going to carry beyond that because I think it, if it is a penalty, I, I imagine uh, Hendrick, uh, Mo, poss- Hendrick Motorsports possibly appealing it to make their case that, hey, you know, it's the same comparing it to Penske. If we brought it to you, you didn't tell us no, you know, what does that say? Um with that also, uh, Mike, the social media thing has already started. I saw some tweets about how HMS was probably going to gain 100 points coming out of this based on the <laughs> William Byron one from last year. So, yeah, social media is social media and is already uh, way off in left field. Just ridiculous stuff, which is why I generally try and stay off of it. But we will, I'm sure, at least address it in some form or fashion again on Thursday. Without a doubt. Okay, let's go ahead and do our round table here. Uh, and Mike, let's go ahead and start with the uh, Andy. I guess is the next one up. Andy, let's start with you, and then Mike, and then Jay. All right, uh, for me it's Twitter CB14Fan, and uh, good to be back here tonight. And um, unless work has uh, any other ideas for me, I'm hoping to be back on Thursday. Sounds good, Mike. Well, I wade through the cesspool that is Twitter under Mike underscore Ozell and the wretched hive that is Reddit as Mike double underscore O. And I do look forward to talking to you all again on Thursday. I should be available unless something unforeseen comes up. All right, Jay. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoospin, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And sometimes you can see this uh, deal between Mike and I continue over there on social media, on Twitter, because that's where I post our fan for racing fantasy points. I don't know if Mike wants me to talk about this, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, we'll oh, we're the talk. oh, no, we're out of time. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> James is leading the truck series, only a couple races in there, but he's got a 14 to 12 point advantage over Andy, uh, two points, then Sharon with 11, the rest of us, uh, Brian, nine, Sam, nine, Tommy, nine, oh, and five. That's pretty low, but Mike and I are below him, but I'm going up on it. I got three points. Mike only has two, uh, on the Xfinity side. Sharon, you got to quit letting her have Austin Hill. Uh, I'm supposed to keep that quiet. I forgot. I got shushed on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sharon now leads with 27 points. I'm at 24 points. Two points behind me is Mike. Uh, then James at 18. Tommy, 15. Owen, 13. Brian, 11. 
Sam, Ken, and Andy. You've tried this pick one driver the whole year. It didn't work before. It's not working again. But we'll see if Custer improves. Yeah, you know, uh, it's been a rough start to the year, by all means. So yeah. Not going my way yet, but it's, I'll get it turned around. Well, later on, I think he will be the pick. On the cup side, Brian's got the point lead here at 44 points. I'm at 38. James at 32. Owen, 28, as well as Sam and Tommy at 28. Andy, 22. Sharon, 19. And Mike is really struggling on the cup side here at 17 points. Uh, He puts his finger of death on any driver he picks. So, overall, to wrap it up, uh, I do have the point lead by by one point. I got 65. James and Brian, 64. Sharon now up to fourth there at 57. Tommy, 52. And Sam, 47. Mike, or, uh, Owen, 46. And then Mike and Andy at 41. That's nice you guys are pairing together, though. Okay. Thank you for doing that, you know, Jay. I, we really appreciate it. I, I really think I should get some extra points because I picked Bowman this week, and he only finished, I think, 10th or 8th or something in the race. But I think I should get some extra points because he took over the overall series points lead. Does that sound right? <laughs> I'll look, I'll look into like the rule reach. book and how I've written that. <laughs> okay. I am Bamfor Racing Psyched on Twitter, Bamfor Racing Blog and Radio on everywhere else, including our website, com, where we've posted the recaps uh, from the weekend of racing as well as our radio show uh, for people to listen to the live broadcast or the podcast, either one. Uh, and then um, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate all of you as well. And then earlier in the show tonight, we did uh, Sal did his Part 2 interview uh, with a Legends Car Series driver. His name is uh, Nathan Quella, and he's a young guy, uh, but he has a very interesting story behind his racing uh, pathway. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to hear that, it might be worth the listen. Uh, last week we had part one of the interview about his win, and then this week was the follow-up interview uh, that focused more on his racing career and and uh, some of the things that he deals with as a race car driver. So uh, just uh, take some time to listen to that if you get a chance. And then uh, we will be, we'll be back. We've referenced it a couple of times. We'll be back on Thursday night uh, to do our preview show of the upcoming races at Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. And uh, all three series will be back on track. So that's going to be a fun one and uh, definitely looking forward to it. We start at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, we'll we'll, uh, see you uh, again at that point. So with that, guys, I think we're ready to call it a night. Good night, everybody. Good night. night. Talk to you Thursday. Good night, everybody.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.